It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, my name is Tom Welling. I played Clark Kent on Smallville, and you are listening to Always Hold On to Smallville. Welcome to Always Home to Smallville. In this podcast, we talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman show that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and I have two guests with me to talk about this episode. Mr. Anthony Desiato from Digging for Kryptonite. What's up, Anthony? Thank you for having me back. I'm honored to be here again. And you're not alone. We have Mr. Tyler Patrick from Krypton Report. What's up, Tyler? Hey, Zach. Glad to be back. Glad to be back with Anthony, who, if anyone's listened to either of our podcasts, know that we've been ba- bouncing back and forth for quite a while this past year. So it's like bringing the family together. It's like, it's like yeah, bringing it all yeah together. I, I figured I'd have to have both of you on at the same time. I, I figured that's how it works now with <laughs> your podcasting contracts. You're always supposed to guesting on each other's shows. But no, it's great to have you both on for this episode. We are talking about identity. And this is an episode we'll talk about it, obviously, because that's what we're here to do. I forgot so much of this episode. I remembered liking it, rewatching it, confirmed that I liked it quite a bit. But there's so much of the episode that I had no memory of or I thought happened in other episodes. It's so funny. We're getting this point of the show where it's like, man, I, I, I really like in my mind, I put that somewhere else and I had no idea where this came from. So it's like it's not watching a new episode of Smallville. But if you ask me what happens in Identity, I would say, oh, well, that's the one where Jimmy takes the picture of Clark. Of the red blue blur he's not named yet though and the one where oliver has the cape and the hood and he's standing on the building that's great and that's pretty much the extent of what i oh and clark with all the pile of clothes i remember that distinctly but other than that <laughs> this episode was kind of a blur in my memory and uh, and here uh, we are but uh, i know right it's I, i'm sorry that's a smallville-esque pun right there you know tyler this is your first anthony was on the season premiere so he's back but tyler this is your first time on the show in season eight Take us back, man. Where was your mindset and fandom for Smallville going into season eight? I'm asking everybody this because this was a big shift of the show. You know, we had cast members left. 
right? New people are here, new characters is a totally different vibe. So, so where were you and how were you, how were you vibing with season eight back in the day around this time? So season eight. Okay. So I was in college. I was catching up with Smallville um, by buying the DVD release when they were coming. So I had just been season seven, season eight had just started. And this was the first time I got into, um, I ended up moving to a house and they had cable. So I got to watch some of it live, but I actually bought this one on iTunes. This is when I was really starting to, I had my laptop, my new laptop, and I was getting into like, Oh, these digital release type things. So I bought season eight on iTunes and I had an iPod that I put them on, then ran cords from my iPod to the TV. I'm sorry. And I what now? <laughs> yeah. An iPod CSAC was this thing <laughs> that was right before an iPhone. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I actually watched the tail end of the season with my wife because we met during the airing of this season because I remember watching some episodes from the iPod with her. And I remember because I think two or there's a few episodes that had aired by the time I caught up to it because I wanted to binge season seven, get into eight. And I remember somebody saying, oh, this season has doomsday. And I just remember standing there in the lunchroom like, what? Like, are you serious? Like looking angry. Like, are you serious? doomsday right and, and then i like i'm like okay you know my brother had watched the show with me on and off and he was like are they just it's just superman like it does not even his origin anymore it's just a superman show like it's a completely different thing and i'm like yeah it's its own thing so we're like having this conversation and then i remember watching it and being like okay i like this idea i'm grooving with this and i remember sitting in my little room watching it on my little tv and just being like this is cool i i like and i will say that seasons eight nine and ten i probably rewatch a lot more than the others because my wife really likes the latter three because she likes lois and the lois and clark dynamic more than than she likes lana um which is ironic because she also loves michael rosenbaum so we'll we'll watch the early stuff um, because she loves Rosenbaum as Lex, but then she loves the later stuff because of Lois. Um, so, yeah. And I know, Zach, we've had this conversation before how like this is like the third volume, the Metropolis years. And here we are. It, it definitely has that new feel, but it's I hate using this term it's not a soft reboot as much as it's a continuation in a, of just building the story. And I think hmm. they, by bringing it to Metropolis, it did really help the show. I think it breathed enough freshness into it um, because it was kind of that show that never, the little engine that could, it never wanted to quit, but we kept going back and wanting more and it had to keep evolving. So I'm glad they kind of got off the farm as much as they could. Um, but I, I like, I like season eight. It's actually one of my favorite seasons um, because I love Sam Witwer's portrayal. Like, I think he's a great actor. I loved your interview with him. Oh, thanks. Uh, I did. Too. I, I could have just listened to him talk for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he could have kept talking. He, I wanted, like, I swear I wanted to hear him get into Star Wars. I'm like, just go. Oh, that was a whole, like, I, I just, you know, I saved it to the very end. I had to ask him about the whole Kenobi thing, right? But uh, he could have gone on for another two hours. That was great. You, and you guys know I like to talk a lot. Right. But like, I didn't have to really talk at all. Like he would. You're just like, <laughs> just yes, Sam, like, oh, good job. Interesting. Good. I was going to ask you that. Thanks for bringing that up. Anyway, 
Uh, hey, no, no doomsday this episode. No Davis. I but know it he'll is. Be a in your, you'll be back later this season. He'll be back. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I guess season eight. I mean, I am very curious to when I'm done with this of season eight, where it's going to land on my rankings because I don't revisit a lot of season eight because it's frustrating. Uh, if you listen to <laughs> the Smallville Wishlist episode of Anthony's podcast, you can hear us. I think about half of our conversation was specifically about season eight, right? Anthony? It was. I, I, yeah. I remember it being that conversation where I'm like, I, I was cooking dinner. I remember because I'm cooking dinner while I'm listening to this. And I'm just like, I so bad just want to like creep a group chat and just be like, yes, guys, I agree. It should have been this. And just I'm like, you know what, Tyler, don't be that guy. Just cook dinner and listen. <laughs> we covered a lot of ground on that. And the thing, one of the things that I keep coming back to is because this wasn't something that I had really felt or thought while I was originally watching Smallville. But in retrospect and through that conversation we had, Zach. Really, my theory, not that Chloe ruined the show, but that Chloe's role on the show took away from other characters in so many ways that it, it limited them. And one of the things I liked about this episode in particular, relatively minimal Chloe. I mean, she's there. She has her 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 part to fill. But uh, yeah, I, I do go back to that wish list uh, episode that <laughs> you and I did. And I think about we covered a lot. It was a lot of fun. I thought about that, too, for this episode, because I'm like, oh, Chloe's doing a lot of stuff that Lois does later on in the show in this particular episode. If maybe if they were just, you know, somehow yeah. the same uh, character than the one didn't exist. Anyway, well, we talked a little bit. We got to do a follow up sometime, Anthony, where we like praise Smallville because <laughs> I do feel bad. <laughs> Listen, well, I'll say this. I don't think anyone was was offended. I, I got a lot of great feedback on that episode of Digging for Kryptonite that you did. But I will say I do have on my master Excel spreadsheet planned years in advance. But there is there is an episode with your name on it called the best of Smallville. So we'll get All right. there. The best of that, Smallville. That's coming 2027. He's not quite there recorded yet. He's got 2023 and four done. <laughs> he's got, he's starting for 25. I, I might have season 10 wrapping up around 2027. We'll see. Uh, it's <laughs> funny. I, I, I've been listening to some of the older podcasts that I've done. Cause I'll, I'll go, I'll repost older podcast to following up when Talkville covers an episode. And I don't know if people are enjoying that. Maybe, maybe they're listening back. Maybe they're not, but I'm like, this is like 2016. I'm like, yeah, you know, this will be like three or four years. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. And that's like, of course, it's much longer than that. But it's it's much like Smallville. It ran longer than ever intended. And uh, and here we are. But uh, but no, I am, uh, you know, season eight. All it's it's uh, it's going pretty well so far. So you guys have fond memories of this episode. I, I do. I think all of us who really love the show have that moment. where like, look, we know it wasn't perfect. There's things that happen that we didn't like. I mean, it ran so long. It's going to happen, but there's always things that we love and we can talk about what we don't like in a constructive, you know, way. Cause there's things in this season I think are great. And there's things in this season, I think really held it back. Um, but this episode, I, I was rewatching it actually. And my daughter came in and she's like, what you watching? And she sat down and started watching it with me. It was just kind of fun because like it was it was all in all, it was a very light episode as far as the drama of like the over soap opera type drama that sometimes we can get. And it was kind of fun at times with Clark, you know, like you said, the, we'll get there with the laundry part and stuff like that. And I enjoyed it. I think this is probably one of Jim. Oh, wait, I got to tell you guys, I call him J.H. in my notes. I don't call him Jimmy. He's J.H. You know, when you be Henry J or yeah, Henry James. Yeah, I'm di- I have, I have <laughs> you change your notes to HJ. 
because that's what I was marking because I was like, yeah, this is H.J. Um, but, you know, I think this is probably one of his best episodes. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. I would say I I remembered this one pretty well in large part for that laundry scene. And I've mentioned this to you guys off mic as silly as it was, but this episode inspired a wardrobe change in my personal life. This was, you know, just like yourself, Tyler, I'm in college, I'm watching this season. And at this point in my life, you know, this show was so formative. And prior to this, I was wearing a lot of (laughs) red and blue. And after this episode, it would not be unusual to see me walking around with a long sleeve white tee and a gray t-shirt over it, a la Clark. I mean, I really took a lot of my cues from him. So I remembered it in large part for that. And it was it was a blast to go back and revisit. I think it held up great. And would I say this was the best episode of season eight? No, not necessarily. But I do think it represents the best parts of season eight. I agree with mm. you, Tyler. I think this is probably Henry James Olsen's shining moment. Uh, on the show, certainly in this season. I think it's a it's a great showcase for him. Gives you a lot of the Lois and Clark banter and dynamic. That's such a such a highlight of the first half in particular of season eight. You're really focusing on that iconic trio of Clark, Lois, and Jimmy. You get these nods toward the future of what Clark's going to become. And really a pretty big step forward in this idea that he's people now know he's out there in a in a real way so uh, this was a lot of fun to revisit i'm excited to talk to you guys about it all right well let's get into it then identity get a picture of his face oh my god this is the kind of story that careers are made of tess is going to publish my secret it's time smallville all new this thursday at 8 7 central on the cw Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Identity is the seventh episode of Smallville's eighth season. It aired on October 30th, 2008. was written by Todd Slavkin and Darren Swimmer and directed by Marzi us. So ratings watch. Anthony, you've played this game for the premiere. Tyler will let you go first. What do you think the ratings were 
for this episode on a Thursday night in 2008 on the CW. All right. I'm trying to remember. I'll give you a hint. Last week's episode, Prey, 4.15 million. And that was a pretty good episode. So maybe more people tuned in after watching I would, that. Just I would say that one. four. 4.5 to 4.7. All right. Four, 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 we'll say 4.6 for you as an okay. average. Thing. Yep. All yeah, right. yeah, all right, all right, yeah, yeah. What about you, Anthony? You know, man, it's so funny because, yes, I played this game with you when we did Odyssey, and then I've been listening to your subsequent episodes, and I know you've been asking the guests, and periodically throughout the day today, I was like, i got to look up those ratings. And the day just got away from me, and I didn't. So now I'm really kicking myself. But I'm going to be more conservative. I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to say like 4.2. All right, so 4.2 for Anthony, 4.6 for Tyler. If you add them together and divide them, you guys got it just right. 4.32 million. Okay, yeah, so look at us go. As a team, it. you got the right thing. But no, it went up after last week. It's pretty fantastic episode. I smuggle, I think. And, and people are probably telling their friends, you know what? I know you stopped watching because Lex and Lana left, but tune back in. It's a great season. And maybe people did because we numbers are going up. And they're like, well... Better start talking to Tom about that contract because we got to keep this thing going for another couple years. And I, I want to point out that this, okay, this is Smallville season eight. I'm just, hold on. So this would be season four of Supernatural, which was like oh, the lead in, was yeah. the lead in. Were they, I can't remember. Uh, Smallville which one came was leading first. into Supernatural because that, because I, I remember like, I would always see the first two or three minutes of Supernatural before turning off the TV. No offense to Supernatural. I'm just I'm just saying that's I, that's the extent of what I've seen from that show. So I, I, I say that just because I feel like that was a big season for that show building because it was like on the rise before later it would do its like crazy, you know, spike, but whatever. And I feel like those two together made a strong night of television. I feel like they, they kind of went hand in hand, and helped each other out. So yeah. I kind of I kind of like to look like at the ratings of the two together and see how well. Well, th- this would have been the, the last night they came out at the same time because then they moved to Smallville to Friday, the Friday night death slot, and it still couldn't kill Smallville. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you can't stop Smallville. Let me tell you. Um, but hey, how, how did you guys watch this? I watched it on the Blu-ray. How did you guys rewatch this episode? On the Blu-ray as well. Blu-ray. Who? Right, what you tell it? Okay. Well, I think the main thing I've seen different on the streamer and the, and the home release is the previously on uh, Smallville. Because I remember on the DVD, which is so interesting, because by the time we get to this point in this show, when you're selecting the episode, it's like, with previously on, <laughs> that's an option on the DVD. And for the Blu-ray, it's just kind of there. So I, I think it's, I, I would assume it's on the Hulu. I haven't checked that one out, but uh, I know a lot of you guys watching. Okay, great. So it's on the Hulu. So, so that's great. So the... the I'm glad they kind of figured it out by the time season eight came around. Like, oh, we should probably include these because that was so frustrating to me, like watching on the DVD. I would watch it on DVD and then I watch it on Hulu. I'm like, oh, you you left that off the DVD that previously not because that's very important. And I mean, we're we're not at Arrowverse levels of like one episode leads into the other. But, you know, the, the overall arc of Smallville uh, season arc was continuing. And so that was very informative. And, it, you know, as as you watch it, if you want to get new audiences and not have them be completely lost. The, the little previously on tells you some key plot points like Tess is looking for this crystal and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so that kind of catches you up and, and uh, that becomes a pretty regular thing on the show. I, I wanted to say like with this, I noticed on the previously because it helps fill you in too about stuff even farther back because we are eight seasons in because it went back on the previously and reaffirmed what had happened with Chloe and Brainiac. 
we saw him hooking up to her and then like a little dialogue of her talking to him so like at, at the point in this series like they're previously are including things from not just this season but past seasons to help inform whatever yeah uh comes up all important plot information for what you're about to see but the uh you know the episode starts out we have a pretty cool new establishing shot of metropolis huh i hadn't seen that angle before it, it's a it's a good good shot you pan down to the, and then the cgi goes away and then you're on that back lot <laughs> but, oh that good old that good old back lot <laughs> it's very familiar back lot but the, you know what i appreciate they gave you some scope and they creatively melded it together and that was a new angle in metropolis and we'll see if uh we see it anymore but we got uh, Lois and Jimmy on the street. Jimmy, you know, as as teased in the last episode, you know, he's he thinks there's a there's a savior out there in the shadows, and he's gonna find him, and he's trying to sell Lois on this story. And Lois is like, "What? The only one that I know that does this kind of stuff is the Green Arrow. You know, he wears green leather and a bow, and I think he's hung hung up his bow, uh, which is you know, again, every, everything, every kind of mention feeds into something else in this in this episode. So I thought it was really well like plotted out. Like even these offhand references kind of play into something you'll see later." Apparently, they're going to go to dinner with Clark. Lois is surprised Clark's there, which is kind of weird. Uh, like, Were you trying to set them up again, Jimmy? But anyway, his big pitch is like he wants Lois and Clark to get on the story with him where he's going to find um, the, the good Samaritan, as he's called in this episode. So what do you guys think is, as, of this as the setup for this episode? I, I, I dug it. I, you know, I don't know how if I totally buy how skeptical Lois is given everything she's seen. But obviously, she has her own arc in this, and you know, when we get to the end, we'll see the the new quest that she's, uh, you know, embarking on. So, you know, it, it gives her some place to go in this episode. I guess the one thing that stood out to me—not the one thing, but one of the most important things in the scene—was her reaction uh, when Jimmy mentions Clark coming. And you know, that's the thing in these early, the first half of season eight in particular. I mean, Erica Durant really has to do a lot of the heavy lifting in this this budding Lois and Clark romance, where she's, you know. It's starting to stir on Clark's part, but it's really coming first from Lois. And there's so much that she conveys in, in these early episodes with just these looks here and there. And uh, I, I appreciated the work that she did. And, and that stood out in that scene. I was going to say, I like the setup um, just in the sense that we see. Like you said, the writing, if you're painting, is really tight because everything is being said will pay off later. And we have Lois and Jimmy talking and I, you know, I, I too was kind of like when she's like, oh, he's coming to dinner. I'm like, did, did I, did I forget something that happened that made them two at odds or are they okay? Why is she freaking out that Clark's coming? Um, well, it's the whole, it's the whole lie detector. Love you thing from a couple episodes ago. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and she had to like, oh, I, I didn't, I got my finger out of the lie detector thing. And it's like, and then she wasn't in prey. Uh, because Erica Durant's can only be in so many episodes, so <laughs> she wasn't in last week. So this would be like kind of the first kind of big thing they're doing together after that whole awkward situation, I guess. But again, Jimmy always trying to blindside them with each other. It's like, come on, man, can we just be adults and be like, hello, we're all going to dinner, let's all meet there. So anyway, he he just wants to try to get Clark away in case you know he he ever tries to talk to Chloe again. That's a hundred percent what it is. That is a hundred percent what it is. Even in this episode. <laughs> He's like, oh, it all makes sense. This is what you and Chloe have been hiding from me for years. And then at the end, he's like, well, so you still think they're hiding something for you for years? But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm like, I, I, I got I got my comments. We on got that notes. Later. Here's the thing. And I've said this before. Like, I don't I think it was like in season seven. Like, it can annoy me sometimes because they're so far removed 
from what's going on. You know they're never going to find the answers they're looking for. They're played for comic relief so often. It's kind of annoying. I find it kind of annoying sometimes. I found it in the past. I liked him here. I like their vibe. Like you were saying, Anthony, in the intro there. Look good relating into the Clark, Lois, and Jimmy triangle, which is like a very important part of the Superman mythos, I think. Yes. Um, and this, not going to get a lot of chances for that after this season, Smallville, are you? So anyway, they get mugged by someone wearing like a COVID mask. Did you know this? Did you show this mask <laughs> on this guy? Can we talk about this for a second? I All know, I could they think were about really was, ahead of the game there. <laughs> I just kept thinking in my mind, fatality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, mortal co- it's so interesting because like it's a guy... And he's like, he's a mugger. And I was like, why is he wearing a mask? Why is he wearing a mask like this? Like he's not wearing like a, like a bandana or a ski mask. He's wearing what, what we would all, if you saw, if you know, if you've seen the episode and listened to this, you know exactly what we're talking about. It looks like a mask you see people walking around wearing in the pandemic and Smallville ahead of its time. Um, so strange. And then, then Jimmy rips it off of him. And, and then of course that comes to pay off later. And you kind of understand, oh, I guess this is like a Luther Corp funded <laughs> mugging. That's why he had a fancy mask, but that's just that stuck out to me is, is very strange. You know what stuck out to me that was very strange was they're being mugged on an empty street, and then one car just happens to be pulling around the corner at the exact moment, driving quite slow at the same time. You know, I just found it funny. Like, oh, there's one car on the street. Well, do you think that was a one. car that was like supposed to kidnap them? Like, was it involved in any way? I don't know. You know. I kind of had that thought of what if later when we see the this when the the scenario kind of happens again at the end of right. the episode, because then it kind of kind of was back in my mind, like, was that part of the mugging plan? Like the cars was like come around and but I was like, huh. But I just found it funny just at the beginning, just the cars like do 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 That's what I'm saying. An episode like this, like it's all these little tropes that you would be like, okay, well, that's convenient. Oh, that's convenient. And then like, oh, they're actually trying to explain a lot of these. Like, why would Lois and Jimmy get mugged in the middle of nowhere like that? Oh, it's because Tess wanted to capture them and read their minds. So I, I, I'm going to say that car was involved. That's going to make it better for me. So yeah, because, I like that theory Tess, as well. Tess wanted to capture, I would say, Lois. And, and Jimmy, Jimmy just happened. Yeah. He just happened to be there because of the dialogue later, where she's like, "Move on to like uh, person two. of interest." Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because she would assumably throw Lois in the back of this car and then have what's his name read her mind, which we'll get into. But who stops to save the day? But Clark Kent, he's coming to meet them as well, wearing his red and blue, red and blue, red shirt, blue jacket, whatever, blue shirt, red jacket, plus one. You know what it is. Um, like <laughs> he comes in and saves her and this is a really cool save because i like how like you see him come in he just nudges the muggers like out of annoyance and the guy goes flying backward reminds me when he nudges uh lex in season six for that missile hits him like, yes same same energy from welling there right just a little tap <laughs> he catches lois he spins around but then he looks into jimmy with the camera you see the big flash and he like you can kind of tell he's like ah uh, well i still gotta save lois so i guess i'll just do my thing saves her speeds off i just thought that this is a really cool save i I just i really it's we see so many saves these days like in superhero tv shows and it's like usually just no pun intended just a big blur but to kind of smallville a lot of times it would slow down you see all the elements and i really liked how they constructed this yeah same here it's like they actually made like they made a little meal out of it and i think it played great i too love the shove i thought that that was that was awesome you know, obviously, well, so much of this episode is, you know, what becomes of this photo that Jimmy took and, and the path it sets him on. 
I have you have to give Clark credit because I was thinking as he was staring at Jimmy taking the photo, he could have so easily either grabbed or broken the camera at super speed. He could have used his x-ray vision or his heat vision to ruin the camera, ruin the film, assuming it's actually film. He could have done any of those things, right? And Jimmy would have been none the wiser and he that would have been the end of it, at least for the for the time being. But he doesn't do that. Like he's Clark Kent. He's not going to do that. And of course, we wouldn't have an episode if he did that. But <laughs> I just I couldn't help but think that how, how how easily he could have he could have avoided this whole thing. I I agree. It makes me chuckle because he could have, like you said, he just turned back heat vision because of how his heat vision works on Smallville, like the ripples, you know, like <laughs> shot it, you know, because I do like where he goes to save her and then he turns and he kind of looks and just that made me laugh mm-hmm. kind of in the in the sense of he knows he's that fast and he's got this that he can take the moment to kind of look back and then he saves her and then he runs off but yeah you're right it wouldn't have been an episode <laughs> it just would have ended right there boom direct <laughs> executive producers <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this smallville minisode brought to you by but then then jimmy he looks at his camera and he's like oh my god it's him did Lois not hear him say that? Did they not talk about this? Because presumably they all went to dinner with the Clark after this, right? You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I did think it was interesting because, like, we don't see that. We kind of barely pick up that that happened. But, like, yeah. We're supposed to think Jimmy got a photo of Clark. And it's like, oh, my God, it's him. It's Clark. That's what we're supposed to think, right? But did they go to dinner? Because the energy that I got from Clark the next day when, like, he's, like, in the copy room with Jimmy. And Jimmy's like, you got to see this, CK. And he's all like, and, and Clark's kind of like ready. He's standing in the corner like Jimmy. Like he's like, you yeah. can tell he's kind of nervous. He's about ready to like, you know, what's going to do? And it was Jimmy's confusing. Like, Look we, at it. And he's like, that's, I that's thought they had him. not gone to the dinner and like blown it off. But then they kind of mentioned like, oh, well, she didn't mention anything about this last night or something. I'm like, so did you? I don't know. I think something got lost in the shuffle there uh, because they're, they're acting like they haven't seen each other since this occurred. It's like, oh, CK, this is going to change your life, man. They're like, oh, well, he knows the secret. He's gonna like they keep teeing you up to think Jimmy knows the secret, but of course he doesn't. So I what assume am I, what am I looking at go. this blur? <laughs> <laughs> I assume they didn't go. I assume that Jimmy was way too excited when he was looking at his little viewfinder, right? And he went yeah. back to the office to blow it up and really examine it, and and that was probably the end of it. Yeah, for that it's night. probably something like everything's vague enough where you can like ah whatever. Because because he because Jimmy shows Clark this this photo and it's like of this blue blur of red and blue blur right saving Lois, um and Clark Clark is like he's trying way too hard to debunk this don't you guys think? Oh, I don't want to skip ahead, but yeah, I'll just say that and I'll save the rest for later. I mean, Tess has a line in an upcoming scene that is one of my favorite moments in in the episode, and it, yeah, it just kind of speaks to this. It's just like as far as the strategy here. And it's like you get where Clark is coming from because it, it, it goes beyond he just doesn't want them to know it's him. I mean, he really doesn't want anyone to know that there that he, anyone is even out there. Right. So it's like it, you understand where he's coming from. And it, I think it gets even clearer, especially when we get to one of the later scenes with Oliver, where I think a lot of this, a lot of Clark's perspective in this episode really, really comes helpful. into focus. Yeah. His motivations really. That's a very important scene later, too. But. It's, it's interesting that like Jimmy mentions that Lois didn't feel anything. He's like, what did Lois say about this? Like, oh, it didn't feel anything. I'm like, really? Like, but I, that's how, that's interesting. That kind of shows you how Superman can operate and save all these people and then, then not know even that he was there. So I thought that, that was really cool. Because if you're falling to your death, <laughs> you're not going to calculate, oh yeah, somebody uh, helped caressed me for five seconds and laid me down softly. You're just, gonna, I don't know. But I thought that was interesting, interesting point there. 
I thought Jimmy's Jimmy's line about a uh, pimple on a poodle was. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "What is this, Jimmy?" <laughs> like, he's like, "Because you're on a pimple on a poodle." I'm like, "Is that a saying?" I've never I've, heard that in my life. Exactly. So. I was like, "Is that a Olson saying?" Maybe it's funny. There, there was a saying in the last episode, um, a couple episodes ago, the porcelain highway that Lois says. I'm like, "Oh," and I and I'm, I was talking about it with uh, Luke Bug on on our episode on committed. And it's in Lois, you know, she'd been drinking a lot, right? It took her a while. She's a hangover. And I'm like, yeah, I've never heard that before. I'm like, <laughs> and then editing back and listening to him, I was like, oh, I mean, she was throwing up in the toilet. <laughs> the porcelain nice. highway. So nice. I'll see if I can uh, figure out what pimple on a poodle is before <laughs> the next couple episodes. But Small was just throwing out these, uh, throwing out these idioms or whatever. Here's a line though I wrote down from Jimmy. Like to try and like, because Jimmy's pitch is he wants Clark to write the story to go with his photo, right? And he says, I've been stuck in Lois's shadow ever since I landed at the planet. And he feels like Clark has too. And I thought to myself, someone forgot who got hired when because Jimmy's been working here since not even season six. He was already working there. So he was working like at the end of season five without people's not without the main character's knowledge because that's a cliffhanger. And he's been working there already when Chloe meets him. He's been working there two years before Lois, but somebody that. You know, Smallville season eight, very good on continuity. Bring it up so many things. I give them so many applause. But somebody like just watched Lois and Clark or Superman the movie and was like, so how do how do Clark, Jimmy, and Lois all interact? Oh, well, Clark started there and they were working there. Sure, yeah, right. That, that, that's where that comes from, in yeah. my opinion. That's a line that stuck out to me. So, oh no, I think it's a it's a great point talking about writers and stuff. I listened to Robert Singer, the producer who produced Lois and Clark, and then later Supernatural talk about how they had it like every three years or something, they started bringing in new writers and everything, how to try to keep the continuity up. And I think that's kind of where this show probably hit is it got in that point where they brought in new writers to kind of keep things going. And it's just one of those little details that we as fans who pay attention to this stuff, pick up on, but a new person coming in to write may miss. And then we're like, Hey, well, uh, Todd Slavkin and Darren Swimmer been here since season two. So well, guess what? That just threw that out the window. But <laughs> hey, I got a lot to remember, though. Counterpoint: Lois casts such a large shadow. <laughs> oh, okay. Jimmy retroactively feels insecure for the first couple of years before Lois even showed up. He knew she was coming. Like he met Chloe, and he knew she had a cousin. He's like, ah, <laughs> maybe so. Maybe but anyway. But see, that's a perfectly acceptable thing for Jimmy Olsen to tell Clark Kent in almost any other version. Of Superman, yeah. but not this one. That's my point. Not this one. But uh, anyway, then we, then we got the Lois on the on the phone, and apparently the mugger got free on bail, right? Uh, so she's going. I'm going to bring this up with the mayor. That's a very Lois Lane thing. It's it's, it's it's great. And then, okay, guys, this this is where like I completely forgot this character existed. Uh, Sebastian Kane, right? Memory guy, right? Uh, I'm sure there's a person in the comic books with this kind of power. I don't know if there is. They never explain where he got his powers. I mean, I'm, I, maybe Meteor Ox, right? He was in the the North Dakota, Montana. Where was it, Anthony? Oh, God. <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> Call back to Odyssey. Yeah, Black yeah. Creek, Montana. Wasn't it Montana? No, Black Creek, that sounds right. Right? Yeah. Um, but he was there, and it, that's a big reveal later on. But that's who he is, and he is a new reporter for the Daily Planet. I'm like, oh, okay. Did you, so... The, did you guys remember this guy existed? Because I just, this guy blew no. my mind. Yeah, I, I was I like, totally blanked on that guy. <laughs> when he popped up, I was like, Sebastian, I was like, am I supposed to remember this name? Now, granted that 
I had just finished last night watching Titans before I rewatch this. And, you know, there's Sebastian in it, who's Brother Blood. So I'm like, Sebastian, is that supposed to, like, I'm like, is this another mm. one of those important guys? I'm like, Kane. Of course, you know, you have the Kanes uh, that are prominent in Gotham. I'm like, is right. he someone special? And then I'm like, no, it was just one of those. You know, his powers it's like are just... they just like played roulette with a comic book name, but pick two of them. Random comic like... book name generator. It's not even the guy's like... real name, so that's fine. And they're like, remember that guy, you know, in the early seasons, the corn farmer this guy who shaked hands? Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Give him that power. He touches people. He thinks of their memories. You know, it will it just is... tweak it a little bit. It does feel like some kind of weird mashup of like other freak of the weeks. Like that's because uh, the handshake guys, yeah. you know, uh, the guy from blank who like can erase your mind, you know, like it's not the same, but it's just enough familiar that we can kind of create it in our back, not have to invest too much time in developing this person so that he serves the episode and we're okay with it. Yeah. You know, we're not like we're not stuck on this one and done guy. Yeah, he's not in it very much. Uh, at some point, I forgot. I, I mean, I forgot he existed. And then rewatching him, I then forgot he existed again because I'm like, it's been like 20 minutes before I've seen this guy. But uh, Kyle Schmidt is his name. Uh, he's just a working actor. He was uh, most recently in um, a movie called The Last Victim. Uh, it's got hmm. Ali Larder from Heroes and Ron Perlman. So, you know, some good stuff there. Uh, he was also in uh, 18 episodes of a show called Six. Uh, whatever that is, I'm not sure. But probably most importantly, Smallville Connection, he was in 12 episodes of Being Human. Oh, yeah. With Sam Whitmer. So there you go. Maybe, maybe uh, well, I don't know, Whitmer wasn't even this episode even. So I, <laughs> I was going to say maybe he met up with him and saw him, but I guess not. Last thing of note for him, he was in one episode of Arrow. He was in the season one, episode six, uh, episode Legacies. He was part of... The Royal Flesh Gang. He was Ace. Ah, okay. Kyle okay. Ace Reston. So there you go. You know, the first time the Royal Flesh Gang showed up before they, you know, brought them back later as more traditional Royal Flesh. Did they? Arrow. What, what yeah. season was that? I must not have seen that episode. <laughs> it's later on they come back. Maybe it wasn't on Flash. Maybe it was on Arrow. Or on Arrow was on Flash. Because the Royal mm. Flesh Gang shows up again. And it's a little bit more comic book. Comic book. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was on Flash when it shows up again. Because yeah. the first time they were just kind of like in like hockey masks. Right. It was the Chris like... Nolan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gang. Yeah. But hey, he was uh, he was a reporter in Iraq because it's 2008. Everybody remember? I know. Oh, I know you've been you know mentioning this on the show when when we get these references to, you know, what was going on in the world. And so that that definitely jumped out at me that he was this embedded journalist in Iraq. And it's like, yeah, I mean, this reminds you the time period that this show took place in for sure. When you guys say 2008, all I can think in my mind is, wasn't that the year of Dark Knight? Nothing else happened that Nothing else year. happened in 2008. I, I didn't meet my wife, uh, you know, <laughs> that year. Nothing, just the Dark Knight happened that year. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But uh, he piques Lois's interest, and she uh, agrees to go out to dinner with him. Yes, this common thing that we see all the time on TV shows and in movies where they make plans to have dinner yet don't set a time or location or or make arrangements to get there. I love it. It's it's hilarious every time. Do you want to go to dinner? Sure. All right. See you later. Bye. Where? When? <laughs> I just feel like as a journalist, I want that character's like, all right, who, who? Got it. What? Dinner. Where? When? Why? Like they just all of a sudden they just, you know, they communicate the W's to each other and like lock it down. 
Yeah. They, the, they probably cut away before someone walked off, right? So we can just assume they talked about it after that. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about a cutaway later. You got to love the commercial break cutaways. The, <laughs> hey, I don't know how to write this scene. Just cut it. Yeah. Just and pop up somewhere else. Bring up the music. <laughs> cut to commercial. So, but yeah, I mean, he's he's straight out of the OC. He's a suave looking guy. You know, he's got the kind of moppy haircut. He's a cute dude. So I, I would I see why Lois would, you know, say yes to him. She, she's going to show him around town. So there you go. So we're, I'm like, what is this? Enough? This is like straight out of season four or five, Lois Paul line. But it takes a great turn later. And that's what separates season eight <laughs> from some of the other lame Lois Paul lines we got earlier in the show. Maybe think of Invisible Guy. That's the vibe I got from the, from a, not, well, not the first Invisible Guy, the second Invisible Guy from season five. Same vibe from that guy. Yeah, so. it's a great payoff. But yeah, he's a good looking guy. He's charming. They're clearly vibing. So it's like mm-hmm. you, it's believable enough that she's, interested and he's shown an interest in her he's taking the step of actually asking her out right uh which she has not gotten from clark yet so like it it totally i know what a date is oh man that's (laughs) probably my favorite delivery from welling in this episode oh man i can't wait till we get to that scene (laughs) oh man but but here's the thing they immediately they immediately show you that this guy's working for tess right because well he he shakes lois's hand and then you like see like what lois had just been talking about and you're like oh well, that's interesting. So you know something's up with this guy. You don't know where it's going. You don't know what his intentions are. But like the, you know, hey, the next scene, they're like, hey, yeah, he's working for Tess, and they kind of lay out his backstory, which is which is good because like like we said earlier, I think you mentioned it, Tyler. Like we just need to get this guy out of the way. We know who he is. We don't want to take up too much time. You understand who he is and what kind of his powers are. You've seen Smallville. You're familiar with this kind of thing. Let's. That's not the important thing in this episode, but he is a factor. But this is like, Tess is just like look looking out into space or something. And then he like comes up behind her and touches her and she's like, don't ever touch me again. I'm like, his love was kind of weird, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I could have sworn. See, this is where, you know, memories. Like, I could have sworn that there was a later scene where we got a, like an ex, like a flashback, but then an extension to see what had happened immediately before that with her. But that wasn't the case. So, yeah, no. I know. It's like, it was very awkward. <laughs> you know, one thing you, we've, we've brought up in this episode of how we think about other things is the title of this episode, Identity. It's just vague enough that I feel like you could. There's other episodes that this could be the title of. It just there's nothing in that identity that submits that you know this episode with that word. Well, it's part of the Superman iconography, like secret identity, but that could be any hero. Right. I'm, I, you know, I'm pretty sure there's an Arrow episode called Identity. I don't know where, there, but I'm pretty probably sure. <laughs> probably the Flash too. This first half of season eight, like toxic instinct i get those confused all the time like either one could be that you know is interchangeable titles to a certain degree i feel like at this point they were like crap we the one word thing is not starting not to work for us as <laughs> that much was anymore. great when we thought we were going to be five seasons but we're running out of words we, we find out that, that tess is using uh uh sebastian here not his real name his, i got his real name in my notes later we'll get to it but uh to find out who took the Fortress of Solitude crystal, because, you know, um, X took it, as I mentioned in the podcast. Uh, Al Septian had mentioned, apparently, on Twitter or a message board somewhere that, yes, that was Lex. Him and his people stole it, and they were going to reprogram it and send it to Clark to send him to the Phantom Zone, which explains what happens in the next episode of Bloodline. So I don't think any of that was ever established on screen. You know, they're like, you know, we talked about a lot in Odyssey, Anthony, but they're like, hey, Lex is out there. He's doing stuff. He's coming back. This is one of those things, apparently. So Lex is X. But just in case it didn't pay off, 
We didn't say it was Lex. It was X could be anyone. So that's probably yeah, their thinking the, there. X, the unknown. Not like his name ends in the letter. No. <laughs> yeah. Might as well just signed it L at that point. But Or LL. What's so funny is not, I'm, I'm so glad none of us remembered that the Sebastian guy existed because in this scene, Tess herself says, uh, for some with your abilities, your own recall is surprisingly spotty. <laughs> I'm like, that is us <laughs> watching this episode. I just I can't believe that. He's such an amalgam of other characters. Exactly. But the one the one that I thought was interesting when she says how many women you stalked and killed. And I'm like, OK, that's interesting because, you know, this season is about mysterious serial killer. And so I thought, oh, maybe there's a theme to it. Um, and then, you know, part of me thought. You know, I paused for a second, like, did he ever appear beforehand? No. Okay. And, you know, he has a line about that was before I could, you know, knew how to control my powers. I'm like, stalking and killing doesn't feel like they're kind of connected to uh, shaking someone's hand and like seeing their memories. But okay. Yeah, that was a pretty flimsy excuse. (laughs) It's like, how does that make us any better? No. If I had like spontaneous like anger heat vision and I accidentally killed somebody because I didn't know how to control it, there's a correlation there. Like I don't know how to control this, you know, energy that could kill somebody compared to let me shake your hand. Yeah, that power has nothing to do with (laughs) killing people like that. That was a (laughs) very flimsy. I don't know what the episode wants you to think of him because they try to frame him like a sympathetic. He's like, Lois is a good person. I'm not going to do this for you anymore. Da, 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 da. But then immediately she's like, yeah, well, you stalked and killed a lot of women and I'm going to call the cops on you if you don't tell me you know, what I want to know from these people. And you're like, oh, well, he's a serial killer. So I guess I'm not supposed to reform. And, you know, so many times, you know, uh, especially, you know, the freaks of the week, especially in the early high school years, they, they turn instantly homicidal when they get their powers, right? At least here, they were like, this guy was a serial killer, right? And you're like, so when he, when the flips, uh, when the flip switches, <laughs> when the switch flips later on with Lois, you're like, okay, that's where that came from? Fine. You've explained that? Cool. Because so many times, you know, in, in the early years of Smallville, just, you know, these high schoolers just start killing people. You know? um, so, so at least that backstory works. So despite his protest, he's going to keep working for Tess because he doesn't want to go back to jail because he was in Black Creek and she shut it down and et cetera, et cetera. So, so Rekka Isis and, you know, a meteor freak counseling center, which Chloe has turned into. Chloe is ushering out a patient. She's like, I'll see you next week. I'm like, hey, you know what she's doing? Do it. I don't know if she's an authorized counselor. She's certified. Sure, but this is her thing now. This is what she does. We don't see her do any of this. We see her in the computer lab most of the time, but whatever. But I love how Clark shows up and he's like, hey, so you deleted that picture, right? This is immediate yeah. response. Yeah. yeah. Which, but I mean, like, I don't know. In his defense, I mean, based on their history, I, <laughs> I guess that's not, I don't know. That would be so, you know, I would track, right? That she would, you know, is always protecting a secret and all of that. But yeah, it's a, a tough spot for her, especially she's, you know, she's had the relationship with Jimmy, but now they're engaged. You know, it's a, it's a tough one. I, you know, it felt natural that she says it. And what Anthony's hitting on here is going to come up here. I'm going to bring it back up when we get to like a couple of scenes from here. So I'll just hold yeah. it up. I, uh, I can see both sides of it. You know, I mean, Clark and Chloe have been on differing sides of things a lot this season, but none of it feels contrived. I like, oh, I can see your point of view. I can see your point of view. So that helps this kind of argument between them about this whole thing. I wouldn't even call it an argument, but more disagreement. 
Well, I think also to a key point here is that we're not yet at the at the stage in the story where Jimmy is figuring out that Clark is the good Samaritan, right? At this point, it's just Jimmy knows or strongly believes this person exists, right? And Chloe and other characters are trying to get Clark to open his eyes to the idea that, hey, it can be a good thing if people know that someone is out there. So I do think that this was a reasonable debate for them to have. You definitely see where Clark's coming from. And again, that gets even clearer later in the episode when he's talking to Oliver. But but even here, like you get where he's coming from. But yeah, from her perspective, it's not like she's even saying, hey, tell Jimmy, out yourself to the press or anything like that. It's just like, hey, people can know that there's someone, there's a hero out there. So yeah, I, I thought I thought this played well for sure. I agree because, you know, you're living in this world where you're seeing meteor freaks and you're seeing this stuff. And the idea of having the knowledge that somebody is out there would be comforting, you know? So just having people know that somebody is out there other than, you know, Green Arrow, who's kind of that controversial, is he a vigilante? Is he a hero? What is he kind of thing? So, mm-hmm. Well, uh, Metropolis is the, the second highest crime rate this side of hell, according to Lois. So people are <laughs> people are looking for a hero. Yeah, I always like that angle. I just want to say that I always like the kind of idea that Metropolis wasn't the greatest city as far as crime until Superman showed up and like he helped make it the city, you know, of tomorrow and everything. That's kind of like my just personal preference kind of ideas. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I kind of like Gotham being the one with all the issues. Literally. Oh, I love I love Gotham being horrible and never really getting better. See, Gotham <laughs> is like Gotham is the world we live in. It's horrible. It's never going to be better. <laughs> Metropolis <laughs> is the world we, the utopia we aspire to have. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I, so. <laughs> I agree to that. But Superman in that world helps us, us aspire. There you go. That, he gives us hope. We'll get there. Oh, but yes. you know, it's so funny here. Chloe stuff like Jimmy is offering you an alternative here, Clark, an alias, a pin name. You get it? People have been doing that for years. Yeah, kind of like how Chloe used Lois Lane as a pin name. Back in season three, let's talk about that. No, but anyway, it's, it's always funny to hear them talk about that sort, that sort of thing. I like how she explains to Clark <laughs> about pen names. People think Clark is so dumb. Like, again, later on, when Lois is explaining to him what a date is, it's like, can you give this guy a break? Although, I feel that's like Clark... That's more cutesy there. But yes, yeah. that's true. Clark, Clark, I feel like Clark makes uh, Jimmy feel like Jimmy's an idiot, too. Like, they, there's, you get a couple of uh There's a lot you know, of pain forward of just yeah. condescension going on on this show. But. Well, I always think it's hilarious when they talk about the, like, the dual identity here we are two years after he met Oliver and you know, are you Aquaman. saying I could just like be myself and then wear a costume <laughs> and be someone else. That's crazy, yeah. man. You know, he met Oliver. Then he met, you know, what Bart was up to and all Bart, of them. And Black Canary. Still, yeah. Yeah. Like he, and he's still kind of like Cyborg. angel uh, of vengeance, literally worked uh, at the daily planet, put on glasses. Yeah. And he's still like, yeah, secret identity. What's that? Pen name. <laughs> what are you talking about? Chloe? <laughs> You're mixing pseudonyms with disguises, Chloe. But anyway, you're mixing your metaphors, Chloe. I am on Team Chloe here with this suggestion. She's like, look, as long to your point, Anthony, Jamie doesn't know it's Clark. So as long as people know, it kind of gives him a nice out. Like, hey, somebody else is out there doing stuff. It's not me. Give people hope. Like, it's a win-win for everybody, I think. so. But I do understand Clark's hesitancy. As we see, it quickly devolves into what Clark was afraid of. So then Clark goes to, to Tess. All right, and, and she's like, Kent. I'm like, well, why do we so formal now? I thought you were like buddy buddies earlier. It's, 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 you were giving me secret potions to save Oliver Queen a couple weeks ago, and now you're Kent. You're a cub reporter in the lion's den here. Because um, they're at work. They're at work, man. They got to be professional. They're at work. Keep it professional. She's been flirt. They really backed off. That's something interesting I want to mention. Like, they backed off the whole, like, she was really like, coming on strong to him. 
flirtiness yeah, the first was. couple episodes. There's even yeah. a deleted scene where she comes to like the barn and like is, is very flirtatious with him. And and they backed off of that quickly, I think, which which I think is probably for the best. They were like, hey, remember that controversy we had with Grant Gabriel as the boss and Lois working there? Yeah, we're starting <laughs> to make point. those same mistakes with Clark. Let's uh, let's let's veer Tess off that. Not a bad good, point. But what did you think? What did you think, Anthony? You, you, you detect the, the change in tone here of Tess and Clark. They're kind of recalibrating what they were going for with them. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been rewatching all of these episodes. I've been listening to talk about them, but I haven't been rewatching them. But yeah, based on that, I, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I like that flirtatious energy. I agree. It probably is the smartest, best choice to back away from it. But I don't know. I, I There's something to it. But I just love my favorite part of the scene is <laughs> Tess is like, this is a huge story. It's a front page story and you're not interested in it. It makes me wonder what kind of story you would be interested in. It's like, <laughs> again, Clark's whole thing with this, you know, and look, I get this idea of, you see, it'd be one thing if he was like, you know, we need to be like, I don't know. There's a way to debunk this or it's something to actually expose, but he's just so skeptical and so down on, on the possibility of Th it. That, that could be anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, all right, find out what it actually was or, you know, something right. like that. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, it's because Tess says, you know, whose biggest byline was kitten adoption, which is a real thing. That was that was in a couple episodes ago. I'm like, look at you with a continuity. I'm so proud of you, Smallville. You're making me proud because they could have said anything. They could have said anything, but they picked something that they said a couple episodes ago. I'm like, thank you. I've been watching you pay attention. I appreciate that. I, this is how desperate Clark is. Like Tess is like, this is huge news. We're going to publish it, you know, and Clark's like, well, that's ridiculous. I don't even think Lex Luthor would post something like that. <laughs> Like you're gonna you're gonna try and use your arch nemesis ex best friend as like a, a moral standard of what not to publish. Like he's doing <laughs> hail marys here to try and stop this thing from coming out. Good luck, Clark. It just keeps getting worse for Clark because it's a bad look because he he super speeds the Smallville and starts going through Jimmy's stuff. It's always a bad look when characters are going through other characters' stuff on this show and in real life, by the way. Don't do that. But it's just like he's just going through Jimmy's stuff looking for, I guess, his hard drive or his I don't know what his goal was because they have they have the picture right somewhere on yeah. the, the server. Yeah, <laughs> we had that all is a remember season seven where they had a picture of Lionel getting pushed out the window and all these things about servers Zach, and copies of photos. Zach, you're missing the point. It wasn't about Jimmy's photo. It was to somehow write in that Clark got to there so he could meet Lois to zip up the dress because we had to keep that tension. We had to have we had to have him take a pause to see Lois and be like, "Uh, it was the Jimmy thing was just the way to get there." That fair, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> like, how can we get Clark to uh, the part the apartment where Lois is changing for her three hour drive? For, you know, uh, for, <laughs> she drove back and the, oh my goodness, you're right. Because uh, it's the same day, isn't it? Goodness gracious. But you know what, Tyler? That's, you know, for a contrived excuse of them together, that actually was totally fine. There there have been much worse, why is Clark here questions I've asked over the course of this show than that. So if he's going to be a desperate guy going through his friend's stuff, that's just, so Lois comes out and she's dressed all nice. This is such a great scene. Clark's like, oh, well, J Jimmy forgot his, uh, forgot his bag and I'm getting it for him because I was here. And what he, she's like, what are you, his Aaron boy? He's like, no, I'm his friend. <laughs> this is so funny. But this is a great scene, isn't it, with, with two of them? It, I mean, it is. And she's like, while you're here, zip. And he's like, duh. I think it'd been funny if like, he like broke the zipper, like <laughs> like went too hard and like ripped it off. Like, what is, what? Okay, you see Clark's reaction. We see Lois's later. That's what I remembered, by the way. I, I thought 
when we see her liking uh, him zipping up her dress, I thought that was from like the mind reading episode of season nine. That's where mm. my mind placed that. And I was like, oh, yeah, because he he can read their minds. Jerome gave him that power of an episode, and he sees that Lois likes when he does that kind of stuff. That's great. No, it was in this episode with this freak of the week. I never remember. But anyway, what do you think is Clark's deal here? Why is he like, Ugh. Oh, well, okay. A lot to unpack here. I mean, <laughs> I'll say, you know, as far as things we remembered and didn't remember, I didn't remember this specific scene. And, you know, when, when she comes out, and look, you know, we're all three happily married men here. We're respectful and all that. But she is gorgeous. And, yeah. you know, watching the show, going back to my high school and college days, I always had a crush on Lana slash Kristen Kruk in those early years. And I think probably in these later seasons, I sort of had an evolution just as Clark did, where all of a sudden you see <laughs> Lois in this light and it's like, wow, yeah. OK, like this is this is this is where we're going. I think, honestly, I, I think he was a bit flustered just by how vivacious she looked. And and look, there there is that that intimate component there where he sees, you know, her bra strap and her bare back and he's you know, he's getting in pretty close and, and that's a level of or, or a kind of contact that they've not had. So, yeah, I mean, I just think he was and adding to all of this is that he was just caught <laughs> going to Jimmy's that's stuff. There's like, you know, his identity might be exposed. He's caught going to Jimmy's stuff. He's got this smoke show in front of him who, you know, he's touching. I I just think there's a lot going on for him. Oh, that that's moment. true. It's pretty overwhelming day for Clark Kent with all this going on. But uh, just and he's still he got chores that to do. Vision. That's right. He could. That's after he could control his powers. If not, he could have stalked and killed many women. So I'm glad he yes. controlled yes. those powers. Yeah. My favorite line in all this is, um, well, there's every line is great. We could quote them all off, but he's like, "Do you always wear so little on a first date?" <laughs> moral police Superman. I love how he's moral police Superman. He's talking. About, he's talking to Oliver about drinking. I was just like, it's so funny. But it's 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 charming in a way because that's not what he's what he's saying. But you know, they talk about it being a. He's like, what are you doing anyway? She's like, I'm going on a date. And then she, to your point earlier, she explains what a date is to him. He's like, I know what a date is. <laughs> Tom Welling <laughs> excels at comedy. Um, and then she's talking about how he's like, he's a serious journalist. <laughs> and he's like, wait, you guys met today? Like, anyway. Yeah. But at this point. serious it is. At this, you think, you know, you think, is this another one of those lowest boyfriend plots we had years ago? But you're like, ah, it does kind of make sense. It's cool. But then the whole the whole reveal later where it's like she knows who he is and she's using this to get to him like very, very good. Small. We the show has has let her evolve as a character. And in Smallville, the official magazine, number 31, available wherever magazines are sold. There's a great interview here. <laughs> <laughs> the local Barnes and Noble. I don't know. That's still around, right? They have a great interview with Erica Durant, uh, talking about Lois in season eight. And we'll, and we'll quote various things in this interview as we go through the podcast. But quote, like anything, you want to see your character evolve and have moments where she messes up. I love that they've allowed her to have that intelligence, along with all her idiosyncrasies. It's impressive that people see Lois coming into her own and becoming a force to be reckoned with. Viewers and even myself are discovering that this year she's finding her feet, which is great. I'm like, that is what I've been saying on this podcast for years. So I'm glad that, you know, there's some, they knew what was going on and they like the, the evolution of her character and they're doing a great job with that. And that could apply to so many episodes this season. But um, in an early, in a lesser episode years ago, this would just be like the Lois is, 
liking some hot new freak of the week who's going to put her in danger for the end. But no, she's in control of the situation. And the reveal really worked for all that. And um, to that point, Homeboy shows up uh, with some flowers. And he's like, thanks for this is for being nice to the new guy and all that stuff. So he's really, he's coming on strong. And then Clark's over, over there. He's like, <clears throat> <laughs> it's like it's this guy, right? I know. It's almost like the, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Um, puffs out the chest. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Lois says like, he's the errand boy and kind of rushes him off to get her papers and dry cleaning, which is hilarious. Dude's about to handshake with Clark, but she kind of rushes him out the door. So he doesn't get a chance to, so I thought that was pretty interesting. That's it. That then they go on their three-hour drive back to Metropolis because they're going to the Ace of Clubs. That's a long day for these guys, really. The, all the back and forth. I mean, I like joking about it, but you know, because you you do too. Like, I live where I live. You know, a little bit farther from Columbus than where I did last time, and you know, it was a twenty to thirty-minute drive to Columbus. And I was like, you know, three hours. I'm just like, crap, like that's past like, you know, because basically you get to any major city in Ohio, like two hours, it feels like. So Columbus to Cincinnati is two hours. Columbus to Cleveland's two hours. And I've done those drives, you know, in one day. But I mean, that's not a commute to do every day. And then you throw in a, another hour every way. You know, the writers are small. We're like, we got to forget people. Let's just see if people forget that that was ever said. All right. So I want to say two things. So I want to say one thing and then Zach, I want to, or for both of you, I want to pose a question. But so the, what I want to mention, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there's a scene later on at ISIS with Clark, Jimmy and Chloe. And, you know, Clark has super sped back to Metropolis and Jimmy's like, how'd you get here so fast? And Clark goes, I took the shortcuts. And Jimmy's like, what shortcuts? Show me a map. And I thought to myself, and of course I thought of you, you Zach, it's like, you know, they could, the writers could have given them some could have given themselves somewhat of an out here like oh there actually are <laughs> like there's some kind of shortcut ever since they put in the new highway something like like they could have thrown in something there so it's like okay at least we have an in-story reason for how they're going back and forth so quickly all the time but no <laughs> not, not going there i will say this with that very thick line so from where we live in columbus to charleston west virginia where my great grandma used to live was like three hours, three plus. They built a big bypass highway, and now you can do it in almost under two hours. So if they had done something like that, I, with personal experience, could be like, oh, okay. But yeah, in That's my That's still too long for a deal. Like, you mean the- <laughs> Yeah, in my headcanon now, I think of it like from where I live to Columbus, which is like a 30 to 40 minute drive, depending on traffic. That's That's how I operate in my headspace is like, no more than 45, probably average about a half hour. Because, you know, where I live is all rural and farms and everything. And then you get to the city. So that's my that's my working head cannon of just how I like adapt. Because, yeah, the three hour thing, it just doesn't work at all. It works for Clark. It doesn't work for any other character. Exactly. For Clark. Yeah. yeah. But they got these standing sets. Well, that's so what, that's like, what I wanted to ask. And and Zach, you know, if you've covered this and I haven't heard it yet, you know, cut this or whatever. But <laughs> I guess the question for you guys in these in these eight seasons, eight, nine and ten, putting aside the fact that they have the sets there to use, <laughs> you know, do you think that we needed to maintain that that presence in the town of Smallville in order for the show to retain its its essence? Or could the action have shifted entirely to Metropolis? 
But the show's still called Smallville because in a spiritual sense, that's still where he is. He hasn't yet graduated. And of course, it's Lois's nickname for him. Like, do you think we needed to still have the talent and the barn and the farm and all of that? I, I think we still needed that, the, the, the farm because I think that's part of his character of never wanting to embrace like the, the, you know, Superman, the city, his destiny, he always kind of retreated back home. Like the, the, the farm itself became kind of his entire fortress, not just the loft, the whole farm, because he's, his mom's gone. He's there alone. So I think the farm still is because it's still him coming into himself. Granted that, we have talked about how the show kept evolving into a more straight up Superman story without, you know, being caught up with, with the villains and where the story was going. But I think until he made that mental adjustment of embracing the hero and really stepping more into the light, he was always kind of one foot in the past. And I think that's what the farm represented was like the one foot in the past. Um, and I do think, you know, having, the talent, I think, got played out too long. We could have got rid of that. But like you said, they have the sets, but they can always change the set to something else. We know that. Yeah, they did that a little too quick with the Ace of Clothes. No, <laughs> I agree. I, Talon, Talon should go, right? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it, it served its 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 purpose, and it's just kind of – it would have if they would have redid the talent set and just made it an apartment in Metropolis and just had – Yeah them in a metropolis apartment i think would have been much more interesting um and just had clark be the one that kept going home to smallville 100 the, the idea is the rest of them have moved on or are living in the city but clark always has to go back home but i guess I, then there's the same problem with clark how did you get here so fast from smallville it's three hours away they need to give clark like a roommate in metropolis and then a new davis blue my roommate right not necessarily right but i'm just right. invent a new character He's Jimmy, maybe him and Jimmy roommates. I don't know. I, or or would... Oliver set him up with an apartment in the city so that he could say he has a place in the city so he could speed between the two places. And no one's like thinking, I don't know. Yeah, but we, you know what we really needed is a nightclub set, guys. <laughs> that was too, that was more important than what we're talking about. And then I, you got to keep Luther Mansion because of like Tess and the Luthers. And what's so funny is they end up destroying all these locations at the end of the show. Like they destroy the Luther Mansion, they destroy the talent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the hospital just gets repainted. So no, I I, I agree with you, Tyler. I, I think you gotta keep the farm. As and then even in the Superman mythology, right? The farm always exists, he always goes home to the farm. So that's an absolute. But you don't need to be going to the Talon. You don't need to be going to Well, I don't know. I guess just really just the Talon. <laughs> the problem is everyone lives that, in the Talon. That's the problem. Three I people are living that, in that apartment. <laughs> That's the thing. I think the talent is the root of the problem here. I, yes. I, I really think it's the talent. I think the farm and Luther Mansion, I think it's fine. Also, too, I think what complicates things is that that Martha has left, right? Because, you know, in the traditional story, it's like Martha's still on the farm. So he has a reason to go back. He doesn't need to live there. He's day, got the so. dog on the farm, Anthony. Yes, I know. He's going to take true. care of Shelby, even though it's a different dog this year. <laughs> no, that's 100% right. Because you're like, well, what's going on on the farm? Right? If, if there's no... But then you can't... That's the thing. Like, if... If you never see another tool, you can't say like, "Oh, Martha." I mean, they've obviously she's in Washington D.C. now, right? But if you did like now, if we did, if we did standard Superman mythology stuff, you could just say, "Oh, well, you know, Martha's off on the farm," but then you can never go there mm -hmm. because the Netto tool is not there. So they're really they're they're doing the best of what they have, but they definitely needed. I think redesigning the talent apartment 
uh, to be a Metropolis apartment, and then building one more Metropolis set somewhere would have been helpful, uh, and then we wouldn't be having these ridiculous conversations, which are fun. I really enjoy these <laughs> these conversations. They are, because there's stuff you don't think about at the time as much. You're just mm-hmm. kind of watching it, but then you sit back and look at like, wait, what could have made this a little bit better here? Speaking of, going back to the farm, Anthony, we got your favorite formational scene here of Clark uh, going through all his wardrobe and separating the reds and blues and from the grays and the, the whites. And then just, I distinctly remember that him just staring at those pile of clothes. I'm like, yep, this is, this is what you've been doing the last eight years, Clark. And, and you know, when he turns around and there's his red jacket hanging over, <laughs> he just goes and speaks and grabs it. So I do want to point out like the listeners, just so you know, we're, we're talking, I'm wearing a red t-shirt. Zach's wearing a white dress shirt and Anthony's wearing a blue t-shirt. So we got the Clark Kent wardrobe pretty much in check, right? Yeah. Here. <laughs> That's for every facet of the show. So I'm not going to look my, my, my current fashion is kind of inspired by season eight. Like the whole, like, okay, dress shirt, rolled up sleeves tie, but undone top button. Like it's ca- like, I'm, 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 I'm bit, I'm serious you know, business here, but also kind of casual and approachable. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, cause I'm a cool, Just, but I do wear glasses on like Clark half the time. Just throw in a, a flannel, and that's pretty much what I wear to Dude, work. But, but, you know, you talk about foundational, cl- for, formative, like, you know, clothing choices. Like, I wear flannel in high school. I'm like, why? Because of the show? I mean, it's warm. I don't know. Like, you know, I had the, the uh, one of the most specific Smallville-inspired shirts I had was, uh, he wore it a lot in season two with the, the red t-shirt with the blue piping on the uh, collar and the sleeves. Yeah. I wore that to Comic-Con one year. I was like, yeah, I'm Clark Kent. But anyway. I had a red sweater that was very similar to uh, it's actually a uh, I'll take a picture of it. It's a sticker that I got from season one of Lex Clark in a field and Clark's just wearing like a red generic sweater. <laughs> I had one that was almost identical. I got for Christmas that I'd wear to school with my blue jeans like, yeah, like this is this is some Clark Kent stuff right here. That's 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 what we do, man. But, but nothing's as good as the uh, the flannel shirt and vest. That were two things that were given to me for Christmas that one day I wore together and realized it looked very similar to what Chris Reeve is wearing in Superman four in the one scene he's on the Kent farm. Oh, I was yeah. Like, dang. I was like, dang, unknown without even knowing it. I dressed like Superman. That's that's how it is at this point. It's, it's just it's subconscious to us all now. We just gravitate towards these things. So but him him looking at this close is bring up a point like I I liked the first season and the more where he wore like normal clothes where he's less of a cartoon character. I'm like, look, I know Superman is a combo character, but you guys know what I mean when I say he's a cartoon character. Like he's just wearing the yeah. same thing in every situation, switching the red and the blue and the jacket and the shirt doesn't cut it. Okay. Like I think around seriously, the first three seasons of the show, I think we're pretty good about like, okay, he'll wear the red and blue, like on really special occasions. He's going to go meet Christopher Reeve. He's going to be in a big super fight. There's a meteor shower happening maybe in season four. But really in season four, I think he started wearing that blue shirt, red jacket. I mean, we have the counter for it. This is a big inspiration. But like he started wearing that 70% of the time. And it got kind of ridiculous. And we got we saw it got blown up and <laughs> so yeah. many things happened to it. Uh, I guess he just really liked that red jacket and those blue t-shirts. Um, but And that's what's great about the Metropolis heiress is when he's at the Daily Planet, he's wearing a white dress shirt and usually black slacks. And I can't remember what episode it was, Zach. You and I recorded together where he was wearing a yellow button shirt. It was for a hospital scene. Mm. Like one scene, he had a yellow shirt on it. And I, I about lost my mind. 
because it's so quick and it's such a small part. That well, I it's one of the primary it. Superman colors. So, and I was like, oh my gosh, you wore yellow. <laughs> he wore that one yellow T-shirt in Duplicity, and I was like, eh, maybe not so much the yellow. I remember <laughs> that, but yeah, he's had some yellow flannel over the years. But but anyway, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jimmy shows up just in time right after Clark cleaned up all the clothes. And he's like, oh, CK, I got to talk to you about this, man. I've been doing some research. And I, I think if you trace all these saves back, I think you went to high school with this guy. You and Chloe. It started all here because there were saves there. And there were saves here. And he's pulling out these torch articles. And I'll take a screenshot of them. I don't know. He mentioned stuff. It could be like anything. Like, but I'm pretty yeah. sure like save person in a lake. And I think these are episodes he's mentioning. But <laughs> he's like, yeah, like, is there anybody you guys went to high school with that stuck out to you? And Clark's like, no, not really. And I think, you know, credit to Aaron Ashmore here, right? I don't know if it's scripted this way, but you can see as he's talking to Clark, he's realizing what he's saying. He's listening to what he's saying. He's like, oh, you're the, you're the good Samaritan, yeah. right? This, this scene, I think, is the best because he's putting it together. And it's kind of that, like, so many times people haven't figured out who Superman is, who is close to him. You know, and this this show eventually, like, you know, helps alleviate that. But this scene is great because then there's, like, one picture that Clark forgot of him wearing red and blue. A very badly Photoshopped <laughs> picture that we've never seen before, by the way. Yeah. But it's, I, I know for this, this, there was no promo picture of Tom Welling and Ed O'Toole and John Schneider in this configuration. Uh, I'm sure they looked and like, damn, we're going to have to Photoshop it. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was it, no, it was great to see Jimmy put it together, and and this is where <laughs> I forget exactly what Clark asks him, but basically along the lines of like how, like how did you get this information? How did you put this together? Jimmy's like, well, I might be a photographer, like my I know my way around a search engine. Yes, yeah. um, and but I think to like you know credit to Henry James here because and jumping ahead way to the you know way ahead to the end of the season, but when we get to the you know the that moment of revelation in in, in the doomsday episode. I thought Clark the same says, thing, yeah. You yeah. were the only one who figured it out. And and Jimmy is. And I think in part, I mean look, he's the one who's looking for it at this point. But I think it also speaks to how highly he he thinks of Clark and the way he looks at Clark. Right. Because I think for so many of the other characters, and it's always a little bit of a stretch when if people are kind of dismissive of Clark, it's like, look at Tom Welling. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he even says at the end of this episode where he says, you're always someone people can count on. Yeah, you that's know? rare. So, um, but and, and, and that he... ties into the even though we've totally messed up the timeline and the ages and the relationships, all these characters, Jimmy Olsen looking up to Clark Kent like as a role model tracks with the Superman mythology. So even though I'm not the biggest fan of this, this reinterpretation of Jimmy. And I guess they weren't either because they killed him off. Um, 
you know, do you, they're keeping do you, the spirit of the character alive for this. Real quick, do you think that was always the plan? That's what they claim. And they were like, I, oh, we did, always, DC Comics said we had to do it, and we knew we did, but I... I think they're lying about that because they, they don't they don't put Aaron Ashmore in like a DVD special feature to talk about, you know, I'm going to sit here with Jack Larson and talk about being Jimmy Olsen when I'm not even the real Jimmy Olsen. So, right. I think, you know how WB is, but they're like changing their minds and stuff. So I think it's a character access thing, which is so, ridiculous, by the way, just for the record. Oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, it is. But I also think but, if if they see it's even more egregious, it, like if they knew that they were going where where they ended up going. What and even if they even if they weren't, I still think they could have done this. But like, especially if they knew that they were going to do what they did, what a missed opportunity for you know two thirds of a season. You could have just had, have him know. You could have just had yeah. him know. And it's and a great dynamic. We end up getting all of two minutes of it in, in Doomsday, and it's great. It's like it just was, Jimmy's two best minutes on the show. <laughs> yeah, it was so. And I thought about that too because he he's that is that same energy there at the end of the season. He's here and he's like, oh, I get it. And he's like. This is what you and Chloe have been keeping from me all these years. It totally makes sense. Which again, if it's not that, Jimmy, <laughs> deep down, he knows that Chloe and Clark are keeping things from him and it's eating away at him forever. So let's put this scene, which ends with, this is the scene I was joking about where they couldn't figure out how to write it next. So they just kind of like cut to commercial. Then the next scene they pick up where Clark, Clark shows up at ISIS and that's where Jimmy shows up. Yeah. And he's like, when I left you, you were doing chores. I think this is where they did Jimmy extremely dirty. Oh, the gaslighting here is so strong. I feel so yeah. bad, this, Jimmy. I mean, this is like in my your fiance really, for God's sake. It's lying to your I face. Think, I think Clark does him wrong, not just by trying to keep his secret. Where he tries later to say how it changes someone's life, it's destroying Jimmy's life. Not knowing because it's creating more distrust between him and Chloe. Something that if they want to be married, they can never get over. Because Chloe will always have to lie about this because she is part of Clark's team. So they should have, and like we said, if they knew what they were going to do, let him in on it. This should have been Jimmy's crowning moment of figuring it out. So then Clark could have had a buddy at the Daily Planet when he's interacting with Lois. And he's got to like speed off and Jimmy's covering for him or whatever. Would have been a lot of fun to play with. Yeah, and that's um, that's what we all thought season nine was going to be for about five minutes at the end of <laughs> at the end of season yeah. eight. We're like, oh, finally, I'm going to like Clark and, and Jim. But but, so, but Tyler, Tyler, let me ask you this though: Do you think in their minds, like, well, we can't have Jimmy Olsen find out before Lois Lane? You think that was a factor? I don't know if they're going to kill him off. What's it matter? Yeah. You know, because because they don't have it planned for her to find out. So if he's not really Jimmy Olsen, he's going to die. Who cares if he finds out? Yeah, and that's. And I think it just it does him dirty because it really puts him on the path of even more of the self-destruction that they take him because they're planting seeds of doubt in him and Chloe's relationship. And like good points, man, this is getting dark, but you're absolutely correct. But I mean, like you just said, if this isn't the big thing that she's been keeping from him, that's caused all the issues that he's had with her and Clark, then there is something else that he has to worry about. But if they just would have said, yes, this is it. I'm the blur. He doesn't have to say I'm yeah. an alien. This is all, this is everything. Yeah. But just Jimmy, I, I have powers. I'm trying to save people. It would well, have just, Jimmy would have been like, okay, I get it. I'm good, man. Yeah. You guys have heard me talk about going my rants about Henry James Olsen on the show. And I was not really a big fan of him, but here I, I was like, I was, I felt like 
I felt like Jimmy in the scene. I'm like, no, trust him. He's like, I'll keep your secret. Like, I totally get it. Like, I, if I were you, I wouldn't want to. Well, you know, he, he's he's pleading them to just be honest with them. He's like, oh, I get it. You know, it all makes perfect sense. And 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 I like how he's like, you blurred over here, didn't you? Like, he just he puts this all together. And I felt so bad for him to see these two people, like the two most important people in his life, just lie to his face and gaslight him. And like, oh, Jimmy, I, that, no, 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 not that. I'm like, come on, guys, just tell. If if not now, then when, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. Because I just know if that's my best friend and she loves this man, she's going to marry this guy, and they're having problems because of me. I mean, this ain't no Barry Allen Flash where he's just like taking down the hood to everybody like I'm the Flash. And they're like, oh, Barry, yes, now I'm a good person because I know that you're the Flash. You know, Clark's the complete opposite where he's like, I can't tell anybody when it's really destroying this guy's life and his best friend's life. And that to me is, I guess, I mean, it plays into, I think this is where it really plants the seed of more into where Clark goes in season nine. You know, the guilt about Jimmy's death, because, you know, he does tell Jimmy eventually, but it's too late after they've already had all these problems and then it gets Jimmy's killed. But if he had been honest here, you know, it could have been a whole different outcome. Yeah. But, you know, Anthony, you said like you were the only one to find out or figure it out. That's so true. I wanted Chloe of all people to figure it out that way. Like I'm sick of people just being here. He, here show here. He is catching a car, you know, like your yeah. investigative reporter, you know, Lois, uh, you know, I mean, she saw him with the blue kryptonite knife. That's his I mean, this is the, But like with, with, with Chloe of all people who was investigating, you know, meteor freaks for years to just, have to literally like hold her in front of Clark doing a superpower. Like I wanted her to go on this journey, putting all the dots together. And I think that's what I thought was going to happen for years on the show, but it shows that like you, both of you guys have been saying this is Jimmy's like crowning achievement of this like show. He, and then they just crap all over it. And this poor guy, I think it's, it is tough. It's tough. Cause it's like, he earns it. You know, he figures it out where no one else did. And he says and does all the right things. You know, there's that scene coming up on the street with Jimmy and Clark. And he he echoes what Lana said to Clark when he revealed his secret to her at the end of season six, where where he says, like, you're still the same old CK to me. So it's like he's doing everything right. And were he just a coworker or even a friend of theirs, it's like, OK, but the relationship with Chloe, I mean, I you know, look, again, all three of us in, you know, in, in marriages, it's like I, you know, could you imagine keeping something like that? And and not just see, I guess what's different here is it's not just omitting information. They are. And I think gaslighting is the perfect word here. Um, they're full on gaslighting this poor guy. I mean, it's it's it, it's really tough. It's tough. You feel you really feel for him because they have to lie together and kind of sneak. You know, there's always that. So it's like you would think that they're up to something. Yeah, like they're on a united front against him. And that is his fiance. Right. And then, and, and it's, it's, anyway, it just, it's a bad look for them. Oh, wait, one more thing. I just going back to the scene on the farm where Jimmy's like, oh, was there anyone in your high school who stood out? Again, just the strategy here. Clearly, Jimmy has all of these articles, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize there was weird stuff going on in Smallville yeah. for Clark to be like, no, no <laughs> one stood out. It's like, what are you talking about? Why don't you make somebody up or say, like, yeah, this person, but. They died. You know, there was this one guy. Yeah. Or just be like, man, Jimmy, there was so much weird stuff that happened. I couldn't pick just one person. There was, I mean, you, you see the article. So many people just. 
It all started around when you and Coley were in ninth grade. So Clark, Clark, by the way, Clark did nothing super before we saw him on Smallville. By the way, it's, Jonathan kept him on a tight leash until freshman year of high school, I guess. But uh, oh, by the way, but before we wrap up this scene, gotta mention setup and payoff, right? Chloe doing her commander data routine on the computers, or they're just you know flashing through the screens, overloads the computer system overload. She's working her brain with Brainiac, and is working too fast for the computers to operate. And it shuts down. And you're like, huh, that's interesting. You know what? That just must be to remind us that Brainiac's in her head. I'm glad they're keeping that threat going. I'm sure that won't come up again. And so, no, it comes up again at the end. What a great episode. Anyway. So what do you do when you have nowhere else to turn to? You go to Oliver Queen, who is partying on his jet. Where (laughs) else would he be? Where else would he be? But the party plane, uh, it's literally the same plane they've used uh, for Lex. They just have put Queen Industries on the it side. It depends of it. on which way you're filming it. One angle, it says Queen. You turn, <laughs> you look the other side, it says Lex. Just however you set it up to film. <laughs> Maybe so, but yeah, so Oliver, um, he's on his jet. Get used to this jet because we'll see him here for the rest of the show. Uh, he's having kind of a kind of a sexy party. He's got Three scantily clad ladies. They're drinking. They're having a good time. It's very season one, Kevin Pearson. A la this is us. Like it, it had that feel. This is this is probably his inspiration for like he channeled uh, depressed Green Arrow for Kevin on This Is Us. It really is. They, you could tell me this is a scene from This Is Us, and I'd be like, yeah, that's yeah. Kevin. <laughs> but again, uh, moral compass Superman comes in here and he says, "Well, I hope at least the pilot's sober." Like, wait, Clark, come on. Why are you being a jerk like it? You're here to ask him for a huge favor, and you're condescending to him. And uh, Clark's like, Oliver, I need to talk. It's serious. I, you know, I like the vibe between them, because I like it when these heroes, like, they're not all buddy-buddy. They're, like, they have, they've had some some issues recently. They have different philosophies about things. Or Oliver has this huge chip on his shoulder from knowing that Clark knew that Lionel killed Oliver's parents, which pops up in the previously on. Queen Industries CEO, presumed dead. Clark tells Oliver, hey, we need to talk. It's serious. And he's like, oh. all right, ladies, you give us a minute and they all leave. And he's like, look what you did. <laughs> it's just like, he just, the vibe here is so like party boy thing. I liked it because this is, if you go back to when Oliver's introduced in the sense, he helps bring Clark up. This is Oliver starting that mushiness where he's going to kind of get a little bit lower. And Clark comes in and throws around his weight and he's like, I need your help. And he's, he reiterates, you know, um brings up jimmy knowing and what that does to him and this is where clark says the line about uh i you know he goes in the whole thing about it'll ruin his life and i can't do that to somebody else which we've already talked about that being wrong uh but you know what i thought was it's funny is this kind of conflict was done here before marvel did it in civil war this is this is very civil war I, i said the same thing at the end of uh at the end of toxic when uh Oliver finds out that Clark knew. It's basically like Tony finding out that Steve knew that Bucky killed his, you know, his, his parents. Or, or as right. Iron Man says, my mom. He doesn't give a crap about his dad. But he's like, he killed no, my mom. No, of course he doesn't. <laughs> of course he doesn't. But, Boy's uh, best no. friend is his mother. Smallville right? is the blueprint. All right. I mean, small. I mean, like we're talking about killing off Jimmy Olsen. Smallville is the blueprint. So it all <laughs> it was all done here first. So the people who get upset about Batman vs Superman, Smallville did it first. They killed off Jimmy Olsen. So. No, I, I think Clark says, like, people have died because they knew my secret. Accurate. 
right? But yeah. to your point earlier, Tyler, which I think is a great point, you're kind of destroying the guy's life now. So it's probably best just to be honest with him. Um, Let him make the decision if he wants to stay around or not, but it's a piece of information he should know. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> Clark, though, he continues to be moral police condescending guy because uh, he's, he's like, I don't know if you noticed, but Lois got uh, got, got mugged just, just uh, a block away from your apartment. <laughs> I was like, don't bring up the apartment when you're on the plane. It's like, come on, yeah. man. Can they, can they at least give us some dialogue about maybe Oliver's apartment got blown up or something? You know, so at least there's a reason why there's no set. Can, let's have a let's have a plot where somebody shoots a missile, <laughs> blows up the, the clock tower set or whatever. Oh, man. Um, and then he's like, nobody can find you. Whenever people see you, you got a drink in your hand, you know? And it's like, God, Clark, just back. I mean, Oliver's on tough times. He's not being Green Arrow, but I think Clark's being a little unfair right now. Fair enough, enough, but. I would say that what I liked about that exchange was Oliver takes a dig at Clark. You know, I mean, there's a lot there. There's a lot of interesting things going on in this scene. You know, Oliver is in this camp of like, hey, maybe people can know that you're out there like that, that whole thread. Um, but he makes a, a dig at Clark about like, maybe this will force you to step up or something like that. And I felt that was unfair. I mean, yes, if we go back to the Clark Oliver first met a couple seasons ago, who was hiding out on the farm and hiding from his destiny and all of that, it's like, okay, sure. But Clark is out there now, maybe not quite to the extent that some of the other characters are advocating, but he's out there, he's proactive, he's saving people, whereas Oliver is kind of wasting his his time and his life away on his, on his jet here. So <laughs> I like that Clark... Yes, the morality police and all that, but I like that he stood up for himself and it was justified. So that's true. I, I like that. And again, I feel like this, you know, this season eight Clark, he's, you know, he's 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 funnier and <laughs> and and more proactive and yeah. and will stand up for himself, I think, in a way that you didn't always see before. And then the everything that he's saying about what the secret has cost other people, I, that scene went a long way for me because I think up until this point in the episode, it it was frustrating in certain respects for all the reasons we talked about, about like, like they let Jimmy know, but I, and I think Welling did a great job here of really conveying the hurt, right. And the fear that, that Clark is, is feeling about all of this. I agree. Uh, now in, in fairness, it's like, we, we do have enough instances of people who, who did know the secret and do know the secret and are okay. And Chloe like, being the best example. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, we, there are, there are still plenty of others who, who, you know, were hurt, endangered, killed, sent away, whatever the case may be, that I think Clark's thinking here and the motivation, it it, it tracks. I like the scene a lot. Like in Odyssey, where he tells Martian Manhunter, I've written eulogies, people have walked away from me, right? And so that's what he, that's weighing on him. I, I agree, I think Welling sells the, the weight of it here, like making that argument, because it's kind of like, on paper, you're like, well, yeah, just tell him, whatever. He kind of knows already, but then you're like, that one's a whole nother world, and it's it's more complicated than we've probably been, <laughs> been making it out to be, and, and Clark makes a good case for himself, um, to your point. And and I guess um it is funny he says I can't mind wipe the people that already know my secret I'm like is that a, is that a Superman two reference <laughs> is that hmm. what that is? or or some foreshadowing for Abyss in a couple Ooh, of episodes that's right that's right speaking of Chloe knowing the secret see is he still, same mentality <laughs> or yeah. the guy who's supposed to erase people or still people's memories that we don't really know his powers or understand him who's on a date with Lois I have in my notes here Tyler I have I've completely forgotten about the freak of the week again. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> so much has happened in this, you know, because I'm like, oh, is he going to erase Jimmy's mind? No, that was blank in season four. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm thinking yeah. of the same the same beats. Um, Lois finds he, a kiss. I can't call you small anymore. Nope. Got to erase your mind. So. 
But I guess Oliver's a big Jimmy fan because Chloe's like. But I guess Oliver's a big Jimmy fan because Clark's like, don't do it for me. Do it for Jimmy. It's like, sure. He's like the innocence they're trying to protect, but. That's true. It's the idea of Jimmy more so than Jimmy himself. Because has Oliver even met Jimmy? <laughs> but once. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I don't think again, they've shared one scene. If Jimmy wasn't, if he was just like a, like, you know, he was working with them. But the fact that he's coming into the fold by marrying Chloe, that's something I feel like there should have been a discussion between Oliver and Clark about. Right. Like I feel like Oliver might have been the one who might bring that up to Clark's face. Like, you're destroying your best friend's life because of this. Also, Maybe. is she still going to do side missions for the Justice League? Because that's going to an issue, going to be an issue in their marriage. So. Yeah, so I think Jimmy needs to be brought into the fold if they're, yeah. you know, because if, you know, if they decide to get a divorce, you know, they can definitely make Jimmy disappear, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we go to his date with Lois, where else? In the Ace of Clubs, that, that Oliver's apartment that, that doesn't exist anymore. And he's talking about here his time in Iraq, and I guess these are all made-up stories, right? I wondered if they're made-up or they were people's memories that he stole. Oh, that's because... a great idea, Tyler. Well That's done. good. That's really good because there is the one little detail where it sounds like he's saying something wrong that Lois questions about, about him walking by his notebook. Like it's just in their quick banter and he's like, Oh, well, the smoke was out of walk to get and Like it's kind of brushed over. But my, my thought was just like, he has these stories from people he's taken from because we don't know everyone, what he's been doing for tests. Cause we, was it three other, I think three assignments she said or something? Yeah, yeah. Done. When they're arguing earlier, he's like, I've already done that three times, paid my debt. So so that was just my kind of thought is because he had enough because we don't they don't ever flush his powers out enough to really understand what he's doing. He's just yeah, kind of actively search. Is he only here like feel like the surface level stuff? You don't know. So it's like he's here just to have some sort of plot for Lois and maybe to make us think that he's going to tie in with the Jimmy thing. Um, yeah. With the, but then, we were talking about memories and stuff. You kind of, right. we, we've watched this show long enough to know where it might go, but you know what? It doesn't go there. And I'm very proud of this episode. I, I think, doing that. I think that's what makes this episode great is where did the twist right here at dinner that we are uh, revealed. And then the fact that it goes not where we think it's going to go. Yeah. That, that's my hit kind of not Tyler. That's great. He just stole all these memories. And he's regurgitating them and people ask them about himself. Um, so here's a cringe Superman line and then another cringe line afterward. He went, he's like, hey, do you, uh, you ever have your palm read? You know, she's like, yeah, no, I'm not really big in the palm reading. Last time I had my palm read, they told me that I fall for a guy who flies a lot and likes to wear tights. So she's waiting on her cross-dressing pilot to land. So not only is it a cringe Superman reference, just a cringe line in 2008 it's, it's, it's very forced like one of those like hey we need uh we need to kind of force some sort of like superman reference line and it just yeah. was not written quite it, well it's like they had a quota of like we got a reference we got a reference he's going to be superman at least two or three times or people aren't going to know <laughs> it Who's just a clark guy you know some people watched smallville back in the day they didn't know i mean younger people who didn't like they were like i was just watching dawson's creek and <laughs> Roswell and Smallville and it was Everwood. It's all the same, you know? Um, anyway, I just, I, I, that's half of my frustration with the Lois and Clark relationship with the first five years of this show or whatever is stuff like that, 
like, give me a nerd with glasses any day. I had a dream about a guy with a red guy. Oh, I can't. Can you imagine dating a hero? I'm like, enough. Enough. <laughs> That's, that just, that was that line of this episode. But he, quote unquote, reads her palm. And then we get an interesting, like, again, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what, the, what they did for this technique, but it was very unique to this particular guy's powers. And I thought it was cool where we kind of see him sifting through her, her memories about, like, what they had just talked about at dinner. And it goes back even further. And then we see her perspective of Clark zipping up that dress. And she's, she's like, oh, he's getting close. He's zipping it up. She's really enjoying it. So like you said, Anthony, a lot of facial expressions for Erica Durant's really lifting up this uh, what's on the page, I'm sure. And then we get all the way back to um, the hard drives that she stole back in Odyssey <laughs> from Tess's office. I know yeah. it all connects. It was it was very well done. Yeah. I mean, I know it is it is kind of nebulous exactly how the powers work. I mean, I guess from what we see and it is established, right? The he, you know, he needs more time, more contact. So I guess the longer that he's in contact, the, the further back he could go. He I mean, as, yeah. as far as to what extent he's yeah, he can really search for specific items or memories i don't know that's a little unclear he knows his way know. around a search engine anthony i'll say that for him yeah so. he and henry james uh, <laughs> to uh <laughs> search engine whizzes wilson turner is his name as you find from lois looking up his name on the on the laptop uh, from the files she stole um sebastian kane much cooler name so i'm down yes. with his new name it's it's like an alias you guys know what an alias is a pin name nah not at all <laughs> it's like being someone else oh um but this this is what i want to see from lois lane Right. She's she recognized this guy. She went home, looked him up. Oh, I knew I knew recognized him from Black Creek. Whatever you see her say that. I'm like, oh, so she has orchestrated this scenario to get more information about this. And that's what I like to see. So I was very impressed they did this because it was not just another Lois dates the freak of the week to create conflict with her and Clark. And, oh, they're going to have some relationship. No, it's not that. It's much more than that. Um, and hilarious button to end this on. She's like, so am I going to live? <laughs> Like, no, nope. <laughs> serial killer guy has targeted you next because you know his name. So I just I think that was really well done. I think this speaks to the difference right between a season one episode and a season eight episode. And look, I love season one, of course. But but yeah, I mean, if this were a season one episode, you know, putting aside the fact that Lois would be there. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> we would have spent so much more time with Sebastian Kane and his backstory and, and all of we would have followed a lot more of his journey, most likely. <laughs> And yeah, I think Lois would have just been, you know, uh, enamored by him and they would have gone on this date and she would have been duped and it would have been a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's it's very refreshing uh, and very clever the way it plays out. And I, again, I had really forgotten this aspect of it and I was so pleasantly surprised and relieved. Yes. When you get that reveal of what Lois is up to, it's it's perfectly in character. It speaks to her growth and it speaks to the show's growth. It really works on a lot of levels. So then Tess calls uh, him at the most opportune or inopportune time. I'm really not sure, but because he's kind of thrown off like, Oh crap, Lois knows who I am now. How do I going to do this? But then Tess calls him and he excuses himself. And, uh, <laughs> Tess, Tess is a uh, pretty harsh about Lois. Cause uh, he gets in the, you know, Sebastian gets in the limo with Tess and he's like, he's like, Oh, well I, I was able to scan her or whatever he says. And she's like, anything besides air in that head of hers. And like, what? <laughs> This is a great reporter for your newspaper. She's a threat to you and the Luthers for many years now. And you're like, was she some kind of airhead? I'm like, that's a very strange response from her about, about the situation. It yeah, is. that was weird. I, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, it's one thing for her to put Lois down in some way, but that felt like a weird that felt like that's a re weird. It's, attack. it's just it's just reaching for whatever, like, you know, 
it almost felt like it was a filler line that they were like, we'll go back and fix that. And then they totally forgot to rewrite it. And she, yeah, just yeah. that's a line. first draft line. Like Tess says something condescending about, oh crap, we didn't fill it in. Just Cassidy come up with something. <laughs> he he tells her that, oh no, he, she doesn't have the, 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 uh, the crystal that, that Tess is looking for, but she does have all these hard drives that she stole from the library. As we saw in the, in the first episode of the season, she's like, well, let's see. I think it says Luther Corp on there, so we'll be fine. He's like, well, I'm not going to be fine. He has my, she, you know, she she knows who I am, right? Um, and then, uh, what is he, what does he say to, to Tess? He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. She's like, well, it was your idea to kind of, like, you know, go on this date with this, you know, intrepid reporter. And he's like, well, you better hire a new reporter because Lois Lane won't be showing up to work in the morning. And I was like, damn, we've that, activated the serial killer here. That's the flip switch. The switch flip? Whatever. Yeah, that's the moment where we we buy into it because we've already established that he has a history. Yeah, and Tess, not too concerned. She was like, I'll find somebody else. Yeah, saves me the trouble of firing her. No, she doesn't say that. But it's like, <laughs> I was like, right. <laughs> oh, no. She, no it, big loss no in that airhead, am I right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, so the episode effort, the episode effort, effortlessly, why can't I say that? So then the episode effortlessly just shifts into the next plot because Sebastian gets out of the car, Tess gets on the thing. It's like, let's all move on to uh, objective two, Jimmy Olsen. Tying together everything because now she knows Lois doesn't have the crystal. So she's like, all right, well, who's on the usual suspects list? Probably Jimmy Olsen. Could be him. She set up the mugging from earlier, which explains why like Lois and Jimmy just got mugged out of nowhere because this has happened in the past. Lois and Jimmy getting mugged out of nowhere and you're like, how contrived is this? But this was set up by Tess, and then uh, do we see the guy put on the COVID mask again? I keep calling it a COVID mask. He already mask. has you know it I mean? on. I thought he already He's, had it on this he time. Has it on. It's the Luther Corp issue masks. <laughs> oh, man. But then um, it's the end of the date, and Sebastian has driven her back to Smallville for three hours. We already talked about that in detail. It's like 3 a.m. at this point. <laughs> We've worked a full day. <laughs> We've gone back to Smallville. We've returned to Metropolis. We've had a, probably a lengthy dinner here at, yeah. in, the, in the Ace of Clubs lounge. And now we're back in Smallville. So they're exhausted. She's got about an hour till she needs to start her drive back <laughs> <laughs> to get to work on time. <laughs> this is why listen, we talk about it every episode. <laughs> That's how she should have gotten rid of him because he's very persistent as he's trying to get an invite in. I like the way she deflected, but that's what she should have said. She would have been like, listen, I got to be on the road again in a few minutes, so you got to go. <laughs> I got to just get change clothes and get back on the road, yeah. Um, look, I mean, it's it's not too over the top. Any person in that situation would want a nightcap with Lois Lane in the situation, so you can't begrudge him that. Uh, he tries a couple of times. She shoots him down pretty softly. I'm like, hey, well, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm like, all right, I'll see you at work tomorrow. Great. But then he pulls out a um, not only an Oliver Queen from Arrow, but a Clark from later this season line. No one can know who I am, a.k.a. no one can know my name from Clark and Infamous, a.k.a. no one can know my secret, Oliver Queen from Arrow. So um, two of our hero protagonists said the thing that the serial killer says in this episode. So take that as you will. Mm. And again, identity. It all ties together, guys. Think about it. This guy. Mm -hmm. Doesn't want people to find his identity, just like Clark. So, so uh, then uh, Clark and Chloe are setting up this whole thing with Oliver, right? And they're like, oh, I see what's going to happen. They're going to 
Trick, Jimmy, it's the same. Everybody's seen Hydro, right? We're doing the same thing. It's just Clark is Oliver and Oliver is Clark. That's what we're doing. Which Clark even references in this conversation. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he's like, yeah, last time, Clark, you got to make out with my girlfriend. <laughs> he's like, okay, let's do this. Yep. Please tell me you're sober. God. <laughs> you're so insufferable, Superman. <laughs> I just, can I just, I want to say this. I laughed because it looked like Oliver was still wearing like black dress shoes and blue jeans that he had on from the plane. Like he didn't even put on like tactical pants or anything. He's just wearing regular old blue jeans. I was like, huh? Well, he just put on his jacket. What what do we think of this costume? Because clearly it's a blue green arrow costume. Yes, yeah, it's a which... blue jacket, but it has sleeves. <laughs> has so it's sleeves, just a, it's just which a Oliver had every jacket. now and then in, uh, on Smallville with a with a hood. And, and, and like, a red cape attached to the back of it. A massive spawn looking red cape. It's a giant cape. And shouldn't he just made a red green arrow costume? Wouldn't that have been more efficient? Just, shouldn't he just had on blue pants and a red jacket? Well, we, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> you know, Oliver, I have a hundred of these. <laughs> just put one of these on. <laughs> Why are we bothering with this ridiculous costume? All for that cape joke at the end, right? That's what it's all for. That's Pretty why. Much. Maybe they need the cape to why the red stretch so long in Jimmy's picture. You know, he wasn't moving that fast. It's just there was just that much cape in the photo. I don't know, Tyler. Maybe that was a police car that drove by, you know? And, uh... <laughs> During a mugging, they didn't stop. <laughs> it's ridiculous excuses. Yeah, but and Jimmy calls him out on on all of them though, which which I love. Like even again when he's like, "Oh, I took shortcuts." He's like, "Show me the map." So yeah, I, I, you know, Jimmy was thinking critically in a way that again we have not seen characters really do. So no, nope, no, nope. kudos to him. Kudos to him. Um, so so Clark is meeting up with Jimmy in this back alley somewhere. They're gonna go get some coffee and talk about this. And Jimmy's like, like you said earlier, Anthony, like, "Hey, CK, whatever you say." She's the same guy to me. I'm like, how could you not? If I was Clark, I could. How could you not trust this guy? He is so earnest and eager to please and wants to be your friend. I would have told him my secret if I were Clark. I really would have. They, they're going full WWF at Lois's apartment with this fight. Like, he's picking her up, throwing her into a table. Like, this is this not a very intense fight scene? It is. And I love the fact that it didn't end with, like, him knocking Lois out. I was shocked, Tyler, that it didn't happen. I was shocked. So many times does she, like, start off fighting really well, but then there's always, like, that one move where they smash her head or something where she loses because she has to lose so that uh, she can be saved. Look, if the what, Doomsday fight had been this effective, I would have been a lot happier <laughs> with the finale. You know what I'm saying? There it is. <laughs> Lois fighting Sebastian's more entertaining than Clark fighting Doomsday. That's all you had to do. Can we just have some guys, like, grappling for, like, a little bit? <laughs> That's all we had to do. We have a suit. Anyway. Speaking of the finale, though, again, big finale energy with Clark and, and Jimmy talking here on the street, right, about the seek. It's almost, he's almost going to, you don't know what's going to happen, but Clark, like, obviously it's stage. He's not going to tell him, but it, he's acting like he's leaning up to telling him something. But then Lois calls, not 911, because she's being attacked. She calls Clark. Yeah. That was Clark, the one. It was... help, help, Clark, where, how? <laughs> I thought it'd been interesting. Like I didn't watch it, but like she goes to like hit nine one one, but she just hits talk again, and like the last number she had was Clark's, so that's mm. why like it dialed him back. Because that was my thought. Like she doesn't know his secret or anything, so why is the first person she would call Clark come help me? 
Yep. You big, you big dumb farm boy instead of help police. Somebody well, watched she's... the wrong season of Lois and Clark and were like, what does <laughs> what Lois do in this situation? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it's like she's not. But that's the thing. She, I don't. She's not thinking rationally. Right. It's just heat of the moment. Who's the first person she thinks of? Mm-hmm. Clark oh, Kent. oh, because yep. oh. he's a guy you can count on. Anthony. You can yeah. count on Clark that, Kent. That's rare. So, yes. But uh, this is a pretty awesome save and reveal like this is the kind of stuff like that's what i'm saying you don't need superman saving the world and pushing planets and all these stuff all the time right just these little things because you go back you go all the way back to like action comics number one what is superman stopping domestic violence right so like yep. this is a this is a shade of that because you see this guy and he's he finally gets the upper hand sebastian here he's gonna shoot lois right because she's like she tries to plead with him like hey i can keep a secret i'll forget you whatever he's like nope nope gotta gotta tie up loose ends right and then you, you see, like, he gets the gun, and we have this really cool reveal where, like, the camera kind of, like, swivels around, and we see Clark is there. You hear the sound effect, and he just looks so pissed off. And he grabs the guy, and he pushes him in the wall. Before that, the guy grabs him, and you can see the expression on his face, and you don't know what he saw. I was thinking, like, oh, this is mine to get overloaded. It does, but not by this. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, like, but it was him clearly seeing that Clark was an alien or something. Who knows? All right? But he just pushes this guy out takes care of business and just super speeds back out of there. I'm like, this was such a cool save. And like, I'm like, get up and cheer for Superman moment. I really, I really like the the way they executed this. I agree. I can't say more than that. It was good. Yeah, I just love, I just love the turn in Clark's there. It's just. That reveal, right? It's so good. But no, your point, your, your point is very well taken. It's like, you don't need these large scale over the top moments. I think what you get here is is perfect. It gives you the core of the character and really cool visual and and personal stakes and and that really goes a long way. It's like you don't need a lot, and but this this gives you exactly what you need. Yeah, I mean it's interesting with because we've seen all different permutations of a freak of the week's ability or lack thereof to affect Clark. So you don't really know. And even going back to that first scene where you know Lois interrupts the handshake that's about to happen between Clark and Sebastian, it's like. You don't know. He might touch Clark and nothing happens. And that sets off his, you know, uh, antenna right. or whatever. Or, yeah, or he gets overloaded or it works the same as with that. It's like you really have no idea what there really what's is no happen. continuity with that, is there? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Right. I feel like we have got right. I mean, it's I feel like, like, see, we've got I feel like early in the show was like no, nothing affects him. Like the whole the handshake guys and hug uh, uh, Desiree and mm-hmm. heat, like all that stuff like doesn't affect him. But then later on. I feel like they did more, but uh, but you're right. You don't know. You don't know. And and to into this situation that kind of plays into your interest, like oh, what are we going to see him again? Like in, in, to your point about season one versus season eight, if this was season one, there would have been no follow up with that guy. <laughs> he just that would have been the last time you saw him. <laughs> yep, I know. Shoved into the wall. It's like, yep. is he dead? What he, he he magically went to Bell Ref. What does Lois thing happen here? She thought she kicked him at the last second. I guess. He's like, oh, sorry, Lois, I didn't get your call till after. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's it. But then this this is what's so good here. Such a good episode. Like, it's so nice to just gush about how good everything is. Because uh, I know we, I enjoy going on my, this is ridiculous. Right? But th- this is the opposite of that. I'm gushing about how good this is. So it's all so very well thought out. Because it's ridiculous how Clark has run off to go save someone when he was going to tell Jimmy or Jimmy thought he was going to tell him. Clark runs back. But as Clark runs back, 
all this other stuff with Jimmy has gone down where the Green Arrow, like Oliver's up there is like, well, this wasn't part of the plan. Like he sees like Tess's goons like trying to kidnap Jimmy because that's that's and again, that's what shows you Clark's Clark's values, right? They had this whole plan set up that he was going to lie to Jimmy and Chloe was going to try him with car as if Jimmy wouldn't have seen his his fiance driving the car. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Tinted, tinted windows, man. Tinted, tinted that windows. window was not tinted. We saw Chloe through that window. I'm just saying. But they're all confused because Clark's like calls it off. Like he gets Jimmy out of the way and he runs off. And they're like, oh, that was weird. I don't know where Chloe went, by the way. She just, I guess, drove home. He's like, well, I guess we'll try it another time. Oliver's still up there on the roof. <laughs> Fortunately. Yeah. What if he just walked away? What if he was like, well, <laughs> Chloe, I'll go beat you at the, beat you at the, uh, the Ace of Clubs. But fortunately, you know, when Tess's goons go to get uh, Jimmy, Oliver's like, well, I guess I'll use this giant bowcaster gun, by the way. <laughs> what did you guys think of this? <laughs> it was, it does not, I mean, We've seen him like shoot arrows and slide across them. This is like a rocket he shoots across. <laughs> like so, and it didn't seem like it made him go faster. I mean, I mean they're very... trying to they're trying to differentiate him from the Green Arrow, I guess. I guess, but, but if anybody saw that giant crossbow, you're like, what's up with the Green Arrow? Why did he change his his go? I don't know. It was very like, here's a prop. Let's just add a lot of stuff onto it and make it look big. Whatever, right? Maybe just if it's comically large. It's like a Batman 66 prop almost. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, but Oliver comes, he slides in there. He he stops the attackers from getting Jimmy. And then he goes back up to the roof. And uh, then Clark shows up and he's like, Jimmy, what happened? He's like, Jimmy's like, are you serious? <laughs> you expect <laughs> me to believe that that like, wasn't you? And the great irony was it wasn't Clark. That's what makes it so good, right? He's like, it was him. And they turn and look up. And it's just Kate blowing in the wind across the moon. Like Spawn. Now in Smallville, the official magazine number 31, it's a pretty in-depth interview with Justin Harley about season eight in here. And he talks about this scene in Identity. He says, quote, the very worst thing that I'm afraid of is heights. Right now, I'm living on the eighth floor. So if I go out into my balcony and look down, I get dizzy. I can't handle heights. The other day, for the episode Identity, I had to stand on this roof that was about 50 to 60 feet high. I was bolted to it, but I had to put my feet all the way over the edge, stand there, and do a Superman pose. My hands were sweating. Thank God it was a faraway shot because I think I had my eyes closed. Wow. So uh, Justin Harley, just as afraid as uh, Clark Kent is of heights, apparently. Apparently. I mean, you know, obviously this is a pivotal moment for Clark when he sees the reaction of the people on the street to this figure, this caped figure on the roof. And it, it was great in the context of this episode and this era of the show and, and all of that. Not to not to go too far astray, but it's it's that's the moment that I wanted in the series finale, though in daylight and people actually being able to see Clark's face. And you never got that. And and it it still breaks my heart. And I watch a scene like this, and it's like, yes, I know in the finale we saw everyone looking up in the sky, but it was at a blur. This was the moment, like people actually seeing a person standing mm. before them uh so you know it was cool to see here i would have liked the payoff in the finale that i thought we were going to get but it, again in the context of this episode it was it was great yeah i thought the same thing about like you're revealed to the world now like that's that's the moment we were waiting for in the finale but yeah he triumphantly stands there and we hear the blur theme and as you said anthony we see everybody's reaction like oh yeah you know he's he's spread hope right around the city and then we cut to the daily planet the next day same thing 
the headlines running, the picture, Jimmy's picture. All these people are scrambling around, being all excited about the the Good Samaritan, as they're going to be calling him. You know, Clark runs into Jimmy here, and and Jimmy apologizes for quote pulling you out of a closet that you weren't even in. Which I think again, mixing metaphors. I'm not sure if that really applies. Can, but, can uh, I just say one thing? I just thought of this. I don't know why I didn't think this. Why didn't Jimmy freak out and get his camera and actually take a picture of the person standing on the roof with the cape blowing compared to just having a blurry figure? Yeah, because that, that's an old photo at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he could have been like, oh, snap, you know, and actually had, like, here's the figure. It's a Superman return like... situation, Tyler. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's right there, I Chief. Just, I just thought of it like, why didn't Jimmy have his camera go to get his camera? But it all, it all happens so fast. That's why the same reason people don't have a lot of pictures of Bigfoot. Black Mass Monster, right? You gotta be quick. That's because Bigfoot's magical. Don't you know that wherever the camera's pointing, he's magically behind the person? <laughs> yes, they see those infrared beams, Tyler. That's all right. I've yeah. seen some finding Bigfoot. I know what you mean. No, that's a great point. Well, Jimmy Olsen photographer. Have your <laughs> camera with you. <laughs> but, you know, I think this is a good bonding moment. You know, we, we've referenced it a couple of times earlier in the conversation, but Jimmy's like, hey, you know, there's a reason why I thought you were the Good Samaritan. And it's not just because of this or that. It's because that you're a guy people can count on, you know, friends and family or, and he just, it's, it's a good, but like, this is the best Clark and Jimmy episode of this entire show for the stuff like this. Right. Yeah. I, you know, like Zach, when we did our, our wish list episode, you know, one of the things I said is that I, I always wish that there was more, you know, that there were more friendships and especially male friendships for Clark, you know, Lex, that was its own thing. And Pete, they could kind of only go so far with Pete. Uh, but with Jimmy, I felt like they they had an opportunity and and they really had an opportunity, even if it even if it were just for the remainder of season eight. Uh, and and you know what? Even if even if they still did what they did in this episode and Jimmy doesn't know you, you could, I felt like they still could have gone further with the friendship. You know, you mentioned earlier, like what if he had room, you know, lived with Jimmy in the in Metropolis or something like something like that. I just I don't know because you see the the dynamic here and I think it's fun and, and it, it would have been worth seeing more of. Yeah, where do you go all the time, Clark? Oh, I'm around, you know? Yeah. So, just so many opportunities. We're like, why are you sneaking out every night, man? Oh, yeah, you got a, got a lead on a story, you know, or something. You're sneaking you out to see my fiance? You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chloe, where are you at? I see Clark just sneak out the window. Uh, in the car driving. Why are you driving at three in the morning? Uh, work? <laughs> I'm going to meet Clark. Okay. <laughs> So it's interesting. Jimmy leaves this scene. Lois comes in. Clark and Lois have a few words. I heard your date in in a thud. Hmm. Hilarious. Hmm. Um, and then he's like, why didn't you tell me what was going on? And Lois is like, oh, I was deep undercover, you know, and I was trying to keep you out of harm's way. And Clark's like, oh, well, thanks for thinking of my safety. So it's a cute moment between them. They kind of exchange like, you know, it is weird, like, is somebody jealous here? I'm not really sure, but that's kind of an undercurrent of all this and, and really wasn't a date. But then Jimmy comes back in the scene after this. Very strange. Right? And it's strange, it's just like, you left and you came back. I don't know. So. Well, I guess this was, you know, look, we had established that he was, was so in Lois's shadow. So, you know, he had to come, right, and, and have that moment with her. So, Miss Lane, did you see the headline? <laughs> you know, well, yeah. I, I just think it's interesting, that whole speech that Lois gives to Clark about you know, keeping you protected and all this, you know, kind of goes back to the, what they just did to Jimmy 
about by lying to him and keeping him out. And Kira Clark is getting mad at Lois for not letting him on her little adventure. But yeah, he basically just did the same thing to Jimmy. Yeah. And he's not, it's not even dawning on him. He's, he's kind of a hypocrite in, the, in that way. <laughs> when people do that to him, he's like, wait, how could you keep this from me? But it'll, yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, you, you do that all the time. So. Yeah. It's a great bit, you know, cause you get to see Lois and Clark. I mean, look, it's, it's one of these things like, well, what, what makes Lois different than anyone else different than Lana in particular? And I think mm. a moment like this, it's like, you see them as equals. No, she doesn't have powers, but she's a hero in her own right. And she's out there and, you know, it was looking out for Clark the way Clark looks out for other people. So I thought, I thought that was a great moment. Uh, between the two of them. But yes, it does point out the hypocrisy. I mean, man, what a twist. What a twist ending it would have been if you get to this point in the episode and you're like, oh, okay, like they pulled the wool over Jimmy's eyes and that's it. And then what if Clark had had this moment of realization when Lois said that to him and he was like, oh, like this is what it feels like. And like he pulls Jimmy aside. He's like, no, Jimmy, you actually were Oh, right. <laughs> man, that would have been good. So that's uh, what it been, feels like. <laughs> he's like, Jimmy, he, he takes him to the roof or something and does some big drama or picks him up and runs him real fast. <laughs> You know, like just some like over dramatic, like takes him to the fortress right, of solitude. Yeah, here, Jimmy and proposes. It, is, it just tells Jimmy everything, and Jimmy's just like, <laughs> That was a great, that was a great expression, Charlie. No one will see it, Thank but you. I appreciated you. your during the headlights look, man. That was great. <laughs> oh man, but but then you know, Jimmy comes back and he he shows Lois the paper and all this, and everyone's excited about the new uh, Good Samaritan and. and hilarious line here i i found it funny lois is like i have a new mission in life and clark's like i didn't know you had an old mission in life. It's so it, good it, it, that's it. my second favorite delivery from him after i know what a date is i know what a date is but <laughs> um and, but her her new mission in life is to get a worldwide exclusive interview with this red and blue super dude I like and clark's like oh dude. crap i got a whole nother problem like i just i felt like i solved the jimmy problem and now lois over here is gonna make it her mission in life to find out who this guy is in interview. I like super dude better than blur. I just want to throw that out there. The blur, the red, blue blur, which do you prefer Tyler? Uh, super dude. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Take... It's too the close red... to Superman. We can't say that. The red, blue blur. Like, I feel like they just got tired of saying that. So like the blur. Yeah. Well, it wasn't red and blue anymore. Ah, oh. that's true. So let me go back to, uh, Oliver Queens jet, which he's still at. See, before he was about to take off and go somewhere. So I'm like, all right, fine. But now he's just chilling on the jet. I like how Oliver, he's reading the newspaper and he says, I was expecting to hear about some last uh, minute computer failure at the Daily Planet because <laughs> he's, he's surprised that Clark let it let it go to press. So that, that's pretty cool. Clark tells him that it, he he thinks his destiny is, is more than uh, just secretly saving people. It's to give people hope. Mm-hmm. There you go. And Oliver tells him, I'm glad you came around. And then Clark yeah. tells him, I'm glad you came around later. So it's like poetry it rhymes. It's good stuff. Yeah. No, it was a very nice, it was a very nice moment uh, for them and some closure and, you know, setting, you know, Oliver back on a better path. He mentions having a super summit with uh, their, so their other. That's why he's compatriots. on the jet. He's yeah, that's true. To, he was. About to take, yeah, yeah. He's about got to take off show. to Europe. He's got about me. to go to Europe to meet other people that like to dress up, as he says, hmm. and do these things. So, yeah. But he, he says that, you know, uh, you know, that's not me, that party boy. You know, like, I, I'm who I am when I'm the Green Arrow, right? And that's like, Clark has inspired him back to be, that's what's so great. Like, they, they, were, he, they both kind of, like, been on each other's case, but they've, now they're you know, on solid ground again. And 
Oliver apologizes to, to Clark for, you know, being the way he was. And he's like, look, you made the right call about telling me about, you know, Lionel. Uh, I don't know when he changes his mind again because then he tries to kill X the rest of the season, but <laughs> something changes at some point. I don't, I don't recall what happens. Um, but yeah, vacation's over. He's going to go meet the Justice League and do some off-screen adventures. And then we could not end the scene without Clark giving a dig at Oliver's costume. He says, don't ever wear that cape again. It looked ridiculous. Because we got to make fun of the Superman costume. Tom Welling himself might have written that line. I'm not sure, but... I had, when uh, when he says not in this lifetime about himself wearing that, I had that exact thought, and I knew you did too. I was like, oh, that's... Uh... <laughs> I think that's speaking to uh, to some some real life <laughs> to the real life situation there. As as Clark is walking through the red curtains. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Well oh, done, yeah. well done. But uh, yeah, yeah, I could have done without that. But because of the other stupid line about the guy who flies around in tights, uh, this one does not make the most insufferable line of the episode award that that one gets. So it's a, you know it's interesting. You mentioned earlier that you know we had a lot of those anvils dropped on our heads. You know, maybe because there were people who didn't know where the story was going. I always took it more, and you know, and maybe that is the case. I always took it more as as fan service. Like for those of us who do know, it's like, hey, like we're kind of throwing these in for you. And you know, the three of us are in that camp, right, of being fans of this character. And it's like always hated those for the most part. You know, <laughs> there were some the irony of it all, right? Yeah, that's, there's so, like, there's that's some. The thing. Yeah. There's some you know? that were like, oh, that's cute, or that's cool, or brings a smile to your face. And then, you're, and then there's some you're like, you're just forcing it now. It's not organic. Like I know Zach said a couple of times about people who have said leap over to single bound. Like who would say that? But that only came about because of Superman. So who would ever say that in normal conversation? What a man of steel. <laughs> who would ever <laughs> say that out of context? But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm sure I'm sure Tom really enjoyed that line. He tried to tell us. All right. So we shouldn't be upset with him for never wearing the costume. He tried to tell us right there. I know. And, uh, but Oliver kind of liked the cape, which Green Arrow never wears a cape, so sure, but... <laughs> anyway. It's good for, good for aerodynamics. But you're right, Tyler. I think he was wearing, like, blue jeans and tennis shoes. Uh, it, really, it really did seem that way <laughs> in that in he, that costume there. He, he's like, ah, I'll do this. I'm not going to put any effort into it. Right. But in my, uh, in my early season Smallville mindset, I was like, well, that's going to be the end of the episode, right? But no... We have a final scene with Sebastian Kane, and uh, you know we see a gloved hand coming to his hospital room. Plus one for hospital visit, by the way. I'm like, oh, Tess has come to wrap up loose ends, right? I get this episode so good with the reveals and everything. Oh, so so good. Um, the gloved hand shows up, and it's not Tess, but it's Chloe, and she's here to tie up loose ends, isn't she, Tyler? Oh my gosh, I forgot about this scene. Like, I, I mean, I remembered most of this episode. I didn't remember much about the Sebastian thing. But this scene to me just was like, wow. Like, I just completely forgot that this ever happened. So when she showed up and she did this, it kind of blew me away a little bit. Because she, you know, she's like, the human brain's kind of like a computer. When you can overload with information, the memories or the information. And he touches her and she basically kills him. And you see his eyes kind of flicker. Because he says, I recognize you from Blackgate. Like, why were you in there? And she's like, it doesn't matter. 
And then I she thought she was going to be like, let me show you. <laughs> but she's not She's not a villain uh, at this point. But that, that would be a more villainous thing to do. Dude, part of me thought, like, what if that had been like a Chloe arc where she went more straight villain? Like, Great. I'm yeah, sure. I'm like, would have been something cool. more interesting than like, well, you can't be Lois anymore. So now we're you're Barbara Gordon. You a, yeah, we're just going to make you a bunch of random stuff until we figure out what to do with you. You're part Barbara Gordon. You're part uh, Black Canary in some level. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. So. I love Chloe on the show, but as Anthony and I discovered in our podcast, we did, we mentioned a couple of times that she just shouldn't have been on the show. <laughs> she just, she was that character that started out like, like I've told you before, like in the first seasons, she was great because I always thought you take Chloe, you take Lana, you put them together and that's where you get your Lois. And that's why Clark will one day fall in love with Lois. Cause it was like my best friend and my first crush put together, but then they brought in Lois and all that change so uh, they just didn't know what to do with chloe anymore right that was well chloe was lois of the show like and i'm not saying like the whole chloe's theory like i've mentioned before i'm like literally she yeah. served that purpose so when that purpose ran its course and they fired from the daily planet it was like well uh, this could be brainiac like next year if you want yeah, so <laughs> people like her we got to find a, a way of keeping her around but this was a chilling scene. Like, I was like, damn, Chloe, like, you just killed this guy. And, like, this shows you the link she will go to protect Clark's identity. And a step too far? I I, I don't know. What did you think, Anthony? Uh, well, it's it's fascinating. Well, two things. One, you know, it would have been one thing if she left him alive but brain dead or, mm. or with amnesia Catatonic, or something like that. Yeah. You know, because then, yes, it's, you know, still very morally questionable, but it's like, okay, it's, he's still alive at least, but yeah, to, to kill him, we're going dark. But, you know, to, to your earlier point, it is kind of amazing. I really have to tip our hat to this episode. It's surprising us. We know this show as well as yes. maybe anyone. We've seen these episodes multiple times before and we're still watching it. And it's like, that's not Tess at the end. <laughs> Because I had the same thought. It's like, of course. And that's, you know, this, this is very well, a very well constructed episode because based on what we've seen before in the season, but this episode in particular, it's like you see that black gloved hand at the end. Of course you think it's going to be Tess. And it is a, it is a legit surprise. But to your earlier point, we did have that scene establishing what Chloe could do. So it's it connects. It's a great surprise. And I know some people have said, oh, it's Brainiac kind of taking, like I've seen people conjecture, like, was Brainiac taking over Chloe? I'm like, no, I just think Chloe took it upon herself to eliminate this guy who was a threat to Clark uh, Clark and his secret. I mean, you've seen how fiercely loyal she is. I mean, this this plants the seeds of what she does with Davis later in the season. So it I, 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 I did not find it incredibly out of character. I was like, I can see how she would have thought this was the best course of action. Because, I mean, the, the key thing is she's like, hey, so that guy that stopped you earlier, uh, did you see anything... In his mind, he's like, yeah. Uh, he basically says, like, yeah, I, I'd, I'd watch out if I were him or something like that. So it says, well, I have to kill him. Like, and then she just makes that cold, calculated decision, I guess, because she's, <laughs> you know, she's a computer now. So. But it makes you wonder, like, if she's doing that length to protect Clark, what length would she go, and this plays into later, to keep Clark's secret from Jimmy? You know, she was so quick to turn on him earlier to be like, oh, Jimmy, no, you're wrong. Like that just it shows you where she falls for just like you said, protecting Clark even against her fiance. Yeah, and then she uh and we hear that beep 
flat line. And then she just calmly just walks out of the room and puts her gloves on and goes about her business. No one checks the security footage. No one asks this strange woman in black who's just coming out of his room who you are. Um, Wait, I thought about that. She's Brainiac or has Brainiac-like abilities at this point. She could probably erase the footage or corrupt it or alter it in some way. Because I, I I could go along with that. Because I thought the same thing. It's like... She's slowly walking away yeah. from this bee. Not even trying. Also, Sebastian, it's like, what, what an idiot. It's like, especially you're in that position. <laughs> it's like, maybe this is an opportunity to be like, nah, like, I don't I didn't touch him. I don't remember anything. It's like, you might have yeah. saved your life. I don't remember anything. What's my name? Who am I? <laughs> you signed your own death and you didn't even know it. My, I don't know. I wouldn't blame him for, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that woman to come in and kill me. Uh, <laughs> right? It was Tess he might have. Yeah, favorite Tess. Oh, man. But they're loose in, wrapped up. You know, early Smallville, there are all these people floating around, Nolan Clark's secret going to Belle Reve. No, we're wrapping up everybody's plot lines this episode. So what a powerful ending and very unsettling. Like, oh, gosh, what's Chloe capable of next? There you go. That's that's the end of uh, Sebastian Kane. We've wrapped up that, and we have uh, ended this episode of Identity with, with no one the wiser about Clark's identity, despite everyone's best efforts this episode. The Superman legend begins in a place called Smallville. You ever feel like your life was supposed to be something different? Secrets. I don't want any record that I was here. Loyalty. But I never bet against Clark Kent. Betrayal. What do you want? The world, Mrs. Kent. Destiny. Maybe it's time I stop running from who I really am. Clark Kent, will you marry me? Now you can own every action-packed episode. Doomsday is coming. Plus never-before-seen bonus features. Smallville, season eight on Blu-ray and DVD. Identity got an 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb. And Neil Bailey from the Superman homepage gave it a 1 out of 5. Dag. Here's his quote. Honestly, is there anything here that I found entertaining? Not really. Honestly, no. Even the cape thing was obvious fan service. Wow. All right. Not picking up what the show's putting down, Neil. If you don't like this episode, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I can't help you because this is one of the best episodes of the show. And uh, I don't know what you're looking for here. I mean, we, you know, we had some fun talking about like the whole gaslighting with Jimmy and the frustration there. But like as Superman fans and as Smallville fans, like I thought this was great. So to that point, on the letter grade scale, Tyler, we'll start with you. What would you give this episode? Oh, I'd give it an A. It, it, it's it's a it's a straight up a i think it's one that you could almost pop in not knowing enough about the show and still get all the major beats and enjoyment out of it and then want to mine the show for more but i think you could just watch it as a you know as a one-off and still enjoy it for what it is yeah as long as you watch that previously on you're set so. i mean that's that's <laughs> that's the icing on the cake all right what about you anthony wait an a now wait, Tyler. Are, would you is A the highest, or would you go A plus? What what is our cap here? A plus oh, is ahead. the top. Yeah, oh, A plus is the top. So, a plus I, to I, F. I don't think we've ever given an episode an F, um, but we might later this season. Am I right, folks? Now we'll see. Oh, well, there, uh, yeah, um, yeah. A plus. <laughs> I always thought is the top. Like, I just I find it enjoyable. I find a lot to. There's nothing that I wanted to happen in this episode that didn't happen. Like I didn't have an extra like thought of oh they should have done this the only thing i would have argued against is they should have told jimmy 
but that's not just an in episode thing that would happen in this and then you know we move on from it so i give it an a man it's just it's entertaining it's fun and it hits a lot of good character beats it's enjoyable no, that's I didn't mean I you know I didn't mean to cast doubt. I, it was more that you made me reevaluate what I was going to say. Oh, we got Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum here arguing about the. We're <laughs> <laughs> gonna give that. A, I, uh, gonna give that a rose. I know that is exactly. I think what was going I think their scale is. I think their scale is too small. Like, I, I when I rate stuff, I have to have a wider scale. Right down the middle, there's, man. There's too. I know. Many I was thinking of Rosenbaum. I was like Tyler. You're saying this is as good as like the best episode of Small. <laughs> Look, the way we judge it, Anthony, is if I were going to show someone one episode of Smallville, would I show this episode? But that's, you know, on that scale, you know, certainly to represent this entire era of the show, for sure. Uh, you know what I'm going to say? I think I gave Odyssey an A- minus when, when I came on, if I remember correctly. But I, I'm going to I'm gonna also give this an A-. minus. I won't go quite as high as Tyler, but I thought this was, again, I was forgetting about the A+. Plus. I was thinking A was, I would say A-. minus. I think this was a great, great episode. I have just checked uh, the records, and you did indeed give Odyssey an A minus, uh, Anthony. So uh, I'm with Tyler. Listen, this is a solid A for me. This is this is great. I mean, th- this this is reminding me why I love the show so much. The first half of season eight, and I always joke about, oh, that second half. We'll see when we get there. Maybe I'll we'll enjoy some of that more, especially now that I'm more prepared for what's going to happen in the end. But just the 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 goodwill this show is generating on this. You know, I've said it before, soft reboot. And I think what you said, Tyler, was 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 a was probably a better phrase, but I'll, I'll stick with soft reboot because that's what I've been saying all these years. But um they're 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 giving us some great Superman iconography and they're but in the Smallville lens and they're they're you know I think they should have told Jimmy the Secret here. We talked about that. But other than that, I mean this is this was very solid. If, if they had told Jimmy the Secret here, it might have been an A plus. It really might have for me. Um but they I think they did a great job with, with a lot of these character beats in like you said, Anthony, just keeping us guessing. You know, we're familiar with the show, like the way it tells its right. stories. We've seen this episode before, and all of us were like, oh my God, it's Tess. It's not Tess, it's Chloe. So super enjoyable. And yeah, I, I do think, Tyler, you could show someone this out of context, and they would get what Smallville was about in this era of the show. It really is a good microcosm of that. So A for Tyler, A minus for Anthony, and an A for me. Tally board, uh, we have a plus one for blue shirt, red jacket. That brings us to 79. And we have a plus one for hospital visit. That brings us to 121. Are we going to make 150 before the show's over? I think we will. We will find out, my friends. So, uh, Bechtel test fail? There's no scene of two women talking in this entire episode. Yeah. Like, I thought about that because I was like, oh, did it, did it, you know? And then I was like, wait. Do two women ever talk to each other? Nope. Chloe no. never talks to Tess or Lois. Lois never talks to Tess or Chloe. Tess never talks to Lois. Those are the only, I mean, there was no like extra or anything. No, not, no, no Tess assistants. We've had a lot of them running around this season. None of them. And even the Oliver's three women on the plane. But yeah. They, they, they didn't even talk. To say. They I wanted to see outside the plane the three of them. Like, so what do you guys think they're talking about in there? I know. <laughs> That would have been so good. <laughs> Who is that? He's cute. Who is that guy? Yeah, but I don't <laughs> think he knows what a date is. Let's uh, leave him alone. <laughs> Ask him to zip up my skirt. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's 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 so it, it's so enjoyable to 
to just gush about like a great episode uh, of Smallville. And uh, and this is, if, if you haven't watched the first half of season eight in a while, if, if you're like me and the last half of season eight left a bad taste in your mouth, revisit this first half. You might be surprised how much you enjoy it. But uh, Tyler, if people want to find you out there in your podcast, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at Krypton Report. We are on all social media platforms. We did join Hive. Um, I'm slowly... Uh, putting stuff on there just in case Twitter goes kaput because who knows in this crazy world we live in. But yeah, find Krypton Report. We talk about everything Superman related and DC Comics in general. So, All right. What about you, Anthony? So I have two Superman podcasts, Digging for Kryptonite and another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman. So we do a, a rewatch of the George Reeves show. So both of those shows are available on all major podcast platforms. And Digging for Kryptonite is on all social media. I would say Twitter is is typically where uh, you know we have the most conversation. So that's at Digging for Kr Pod. So I hope people reach out and check out either or both of the shows. Thank you. Absolutely, and you can hear both of you on each other's shows quite frequently as we <laughs> as we talk about off the top. So that's great. Uh, yeah. So that's going to do it for us this week on Always Home Smallville. We'll be back next time talking about the return of Supergirl in Bloodline. But until then, always. Hold on to Smallville. Always Hold On to Smallville is part of the Always Hold On To network of podcasts and brought to you by listeners like you. Chris Fuchs, Kefonte Chillis, Darren Kirscht, Joey Deanberg, JJ Hodges, DJ Duena, Casey Vosch, Isaiah Goodridge, Corey Moore, Nathan Rothatcher, Thomas Navin, Andrew Parker, Adam Sullins, Mark Idsfoppen, Patricia Carrillo, Michael Hartford, Jim Crawford, Megan Rich, Rui Humphrey, Nathan McKenzie, Jason Skipper, Steve Rogers, Joe Mikendo, Atif Sheik, Molly Ficarella, John Curcio, Dylan D'Antonio, James Lee, Joe Michael, Jason Davis, Patrick Bravo, Jacob Stevenart, Dana Bias, Alex Ramsey, Crystal Dungeon, Rob O'Connor, Tay Tay, Nick Ryan Magdoza, Eddie Bissell, Jim Thomas, Nicholas Fanzler, Clunk Kent, Stephanie Ronsley, John Long, Tom Gerke, Nicholas Coso, Jared Gibbs, Anthony Anderson, Jasmine McGilley, Keith Falls, James Hart, Anthony Desiato, Crystal Cross, and Jake C. Thank you so much to all these patrons. And you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash alwaysmallville with one S. Hope to see you there. Always Hold On To Smallville's theme music is by Lance Laster, and our podcast art is by Tom Gerke. You can follow us on Twitter at alwaysmallville with one S. You can find us on Facebook at Always Hold On To Smallville, and you can send us an email at alwaysmallville at gmail.com, once again, with one S. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.